right now my video gaming has gone to shit mm. like i literally play like one game of hearthstone battlegrounds a day and that's it mm. and that's play any other video games right now too focused on painting trying to try to get good trying to focus so well you you have been li- you have been lighting up my twitter feed with with your stuff and it's weird because you're one of the people i interact with like i think more than like a lot a great deal of consistency on twitter um and so this mm-hmm. episode's been a long time coming i see kickers there in chat yeah which means it is of course time for aos rant cast episode 69 yeah yeah um, 69 <laughs> insert pervy joke here uh, i am of course the magical mr mephisto <laughs> i am uh the most dangerous man in age of sigmar celebrating my favorite month which is october or meftober uh if you've been watching any of the live streaming i've been doing um this is tonight's episode is uh i mean well well i guess what's really important is sean is joining me um he hosts his own show called hobby hobby, <laughs> hobby who the fuck space. knows what we'll talk about what yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are we going to talk about? Who knows? We're going. We're going yeah. maximum rant cast tonight. <laughs> I, I, so, yeah, we're turning up to eleven. Well, turn, turn, yeah, the last to sixty nine. Yeah, 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 all the way to sixty nine. See, see, the last few episodes have been too like focused, yeah. and like I had one that was actually sub two hours. Yeah. And I'm like, this is unacceptable. <laughs> like, this is why I don't do battle tome reviews because you can finish those in an hour, and that is disgusting. Yeah. Think of how much better my algorithm would look with only that? one hour shows. Gross. Ugh. No, thank you. <laughs> or, or like 15 minute ones. You're just like, this is the battle tome. It has a lot of stuff in it. You'll see it in about a week. Sounds good. See you later. Bye. Here's some hobby stuff I did. Yeah. All right. That was good. 10 yeah. minutes is up. All right. Now we're really hitting the, the algorithm with that once per week, tw- 10 minute video. No, we're no, good. no. It's once per day, 16 minute. If you really want to. If you once really per day, 16 minutes. 16 That's the max? Okay. Once per day, 16 minutes, because then you get the second ad break in your video for maximum okay. uh, YouTube, like uh, like Chuck E. Cheese dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. I think that sounds like such a Google thing, too, to be like an obscure number, like 16, to be like, well, this is where we, this is the min max. Be, because um, it can't be a deliberate uh, number. So if it's 15, it looks mm, yeah. too much like you tried to make it 15. And YouTube deals very heavily in something they, they call the sort of currency of authenticity. So your your aim for, oh, yes. for YouTube yeah. is to be a person with a camera as much as possible without yeah. with, with like good production, but you want to hide all your production value. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So it should actually be like 16 minutes and like 24 seconds. Yes. You know, like, this is the perfect. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like, because that just happens to be around when most people cut off for their daily vlog. 16 minutes and 24 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's, there's a, there's a, there's a, it's math. And the algorithm shifts. Like, they, they, they will change it. Mm-hmm. People seem to be kind of onto it, but, but they'll shift. Um, podcasts themselves, as far as pure audio, uh about an hour is is supposed to be ideal so yeah just around I it's get like a-, a drive to and from work for most like Correct. uh people commute right right it's a commute yeah. it's a commute exactly minimum pants dropping a thousand rdp to remind everybody that chat gang ain't nothing to fuck with we got kicker there he says oh i've seen those orcs on the internets love them so hey maybe that's what we can talk about we can talk about uh, thank you maybe this is an orc stream now it's an orc stream Hey, it's it is October. I think that's I think maybe it's an orc stream. Yeah, October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, All right. So, so um, 
like I was mentioning, kind of a kind of at the <laughs> got that out of the way. Yeah, got that out of the way. We we I screamed wall I think a little bit and redlined the microphone. Uh, so we've got um. There you go. I I think the first my first point of interaction with you is actually seeing you sort of begin to develop that initial like heavy metal orc, mm. and uh, I mean, yeah. fuck yeah! <laughs> but but how did you? Uh, I guess I guess it's before like, it's like keep him next to me all the time. Yeah, yeah, like, but but before buddy. we get there, how did you get into Warhammer? I mean, this so people get to know you a little bit. So you, of course, as I mentioned, um, Sean, uh, you are I, an American living in Australia. Um, so you are in the upside yeah. down right well, now. I, yeah, uh, I don't know. I I'm pretty close to just considering myself an Australian. I'm a refugee from a politically uh, what do you call it? Political. Oh, I mean, it's a political asylum. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no, but um, I've been here for like five years now, so I, yeah. I don't really know what America's like anymore. If somebody asked me what America's like, I'd just be like, I don't know, look at the news. <laughs> I just know what like Western, Western Sydney, Australia looks like, and that's where I live. Anyway, so, so, uh, so I got into Warhammer. Real, real quick, before you, before you talk about the real thing, yeah. you know, Warhammer, have, have, do yeah. you like Vegemite? Have you fully like become one of them now? Fuck, I, I love Vegemite. I, so what's really interesting is I got into it because I, uh, my my oldest brother's best friend was from Australia. So every year we celebrated Australia Day as little kids. Interesting. And I probably had my first Vegemite when I was like four or five years old, and I probably hated it. But then grew up, and now I'll just slather it on some toast with some butter, and it's good stuff. You can also use it to make gravy and do some other random shit too. Yeah. Where you need that like umami flavor, you can chuck some Vegemite in. It probably does the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I apparently I uh, coach sent me a care package, um, and I and he made my children cry. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I did it wrong apparently because I wasn't. Just you know, it's, and you know what's funny about that <laughs> is I saw that, and then my two year old absolutely loves it. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> it's funny to think that my two year old will literally eat like a cracker with. Vegemite slathered across it and just be like, mm, yummy snack. You're like, mm, I want some Vegemite. And, you know, and then your kids are just like, get that away from me. Get the, that as far away from me as you can get something away from me right now. I don't now. know if I shared that video publicly, but it is on my Facebook. And you just like, the the like the look of betrayal yeah. on my daughter's face as like the flavor <laughs> registers. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, speaking of my daughter. Hold on a second. Yeah, talking about food and daughter, two things you should avoid on the internet. But uh, I, I've been like just crushing ramen bowls because they were on sale for like twenty cents, the good ones, like the big. And oh, yeah. uh, my daughter comes up and she just goes like opens her mouth like a like a bird, and so like I'll do it, and she's got the <laughs> slurp down. It's one of the most hilarious things ever. Oh. I've, uh, sorry. Okay. All right. All right. Warhammer. Warhammer. How'd you get into Warhammer? How'd you get into Warhammer? <laughs> War Warhammer. Um. So I, I first started getting into miniatures when I was probably about six years old. Um, we used to go to all these like arts and crafts things because both my parents are artists and that's like based on it. And I, the very first model I ever got, it was actually a pewter model of one of the cards from Alice in Wonderland. It had like a head and like arms and stuff, but it was pretty small. I remember trying to paint it with like my mom's craft paint. Did not go over well. Um, and then, like, I grew up a little bit. My brothers actually moved out of the house when I was, like, 11 or 12 because they got older and they did their own shit. And then I kind of just started getting into 40K. So that was, like, the first thing I got into was I first got into 40K. Um, 
I kind of started making friends from there. Like me and my best friend at the time had bought like the the third edition starter set, and it was like pretty brand new. Wait, you can and make I, friends in 40K? I took the Marines. You only made enemies. <laughs> well, you can make fr- you can have friends and then start playing 40k, and they become your enemies after. Oh, okay, all right. So it happens. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it was that. It was one of those things too, where like in the third edition set, if I remember properly what was actually in the box marines were heavily favored but then as soon as you went to go buy extra dark eldar stuff that's when they started getting really good so if you like ducked in some of the special weapons and characters like dark lances would just like wreck their shit and the marines would just fall off the table the the same Uh, thing happened with uh with the night hunt box i still remember you you had the evocators mm -hmm. and the night hunt and uh you know, it really, you're like, oh, Stormcasts are like OP, they're OP. And it was very heavily skewed towards that, like, elite army. But as yeah. you started collecting, it's like, actually, like, 60 GGR are just the truth right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as soon as you throw the Grimgast Reapers, you're like, all of a sudden, the Stormcasts suck. Yeah. Like, I <laughs> yeah. see you later. Um, so that that was, like, the progression was just being like, okay, we're, you know, 12, 13-year-old kids trying to, like, scrape together allowances to get, like, extra boxes. And then watching it, like, change from, like, here's my new box of Devastators. And, like, oh, sweet. It's, like, here's my new Raider with a Dark Lance. And then it's, like, oh, okay. That was fun. It's, like, <laughs> that was fun while it lasted. Um, I'm getting screwed. And and then it's, you know, it's always one of those things. It's, like, a tale as old as time where you go, like, uh, I found uh girls and i went to college and did all that shit and i i kept up with art the whole time like i went to school for art and i kept doing arty things and every once in a while i'd still pick up like you know white dwarfs and see what was going on and get still get into models every once in a while i'm like one of those people that would just randomly buy a model and be like i'm gonna just like paint it and i mean it's probably in my parents yeah. somewhere yeah actually if you if, if you follow i do recommend you follow uh, uh sean on twitter uh his name's in the title right there it's sean's or like 21 or something like that um it, mm-hmm. you, you get a pretty eclectic spread of models that you'll post like you you posted the uh the prime arc yeah. the the very famous one you've got actually a couple of busts you've been you've put up there so like you can tell like you really like a little of the hobby mm-hmm. um can i ask what I art, just, you said yeah yeah go ahead go ahead uh, you go. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> you you saying like um, you, like you just love the art and stuff like that, and so so it's, you know, it's that mm-hmm. that passion. I think one of the things that makes makes Warhammer so awesome as like a hobby, as like a game, even is that like, you know, if I play a great video game, that kind of experience just kind of floats in the ether. If I paint my models, I mm-hmm. have them, and there's this thing that I've created with my time, and so I think there's something uh, special about Definitely. about the hobby. Um, but I was going to ask, what, what what type of art were you pursuing? Fine arts, oh, general ed? What was it? Um, <laughs> can, can I ask? So <laughs> I grew up, uh, I grew up around uh, around potters. So like at the base of all of it, uh, you know, when I was little, little, little kid, I was around clay from like as soon as I could pound my fists into clay. Uh, so I started learning how to sculpt pretty early. And I actually like, um, I was pursuing through high school a lot of sculpting i did a lot of ceramic sculpting i think at my mom's house probably in her yard somewhere is still my like these big um big pots covered in faces now i was really into like 
almost like gaunt, ghostly faces just covering everything. Similar to like that Catacross cape. I'm like that I'm going back awesome. to my roots a little bit with that. Yeah, yeah. It, that it's going to keep going, I guarantee you. It's I, That's just, like I said, that was the first layer. But... Like I have a I have a pot and it was my senior my senior project in uh, high school and it literally is just covered in faces all the way everywhere and I probably made about fifty or sixty faces and the crevices between other faces and sculpted more faces here and there and that was like super into it I went to school um, I went to university and uh, my brothers also also went to art school. And um, I went to his graduation. He literally got every award that he could get in art. Mm. Like he went to San Francisco Art Institute and he literally walked away with like every medal around his neck, every award in his hand. And I was just like, and, I, and he's like, he's an insomniac. He stays up like most of the night working on art, honestly, like even to this day, you know, his life is so centered around it. And I, I walked away from that being like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can be committed in that same way. Art. And then I actually ended up going to psychology because I started getting to uh, more like digital art and marketing. And mm. and that was kind of like where my head started going a little bit more. I think and so I was pursuing bit. simultaneous. What's that? I said, I think this tracks a little bit because like, you know, like, uh, you know, mm. visual, like the sort of our visual recognition and like, getting the psychology of advertisement is very visual media um go on yeah and then so i got really into it's funny because i got into outdoor stuff so i was getting to outdoor marketing and what that kind of looked like and you know how we do advertisements up on billboards and, and that stuff and then from that point i actually was still so you know studying fine arts studying psychology and then i started studying outdoor education so I was actually like going into the wilderness and doing like that shit so, as like school. So so, <laughs> so, so let me. Let I was me... like all over the place through university, and then came back. So so at some point, I mean, this is this is like a logical. I mean, this is almost like making like a like a character's backstory, really, to like turn you into who you are now. Like, and you're like, so naturally, you're like, I'm, go I'm getting yeah, into yeah. the wilderness. I'm going to move to the most dangerous place in the world, which is Australia. And just like see if I could truly survive the outdoors, yeah, totally. and like come yeah. back with all the faces of like their crazy snakes and spiders and stuff, and to advertise how badass you are. That's that's really it. Right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, here's my uh, trophy case. Chip. Sorry uh, with the teeth, the tier three sub, fourteen months. It is fourteen years in Twitch time, and probably about sixty nine years in COVID nineteen time. Uh, thank you so much for that, and good evening. Uh, good it's evening from Wisconsin to you there in Texas. Keep your mind healthy, he says. All right. Good morning from Australia at solid eleven seventeen in the morning. That's how we're doing. Um, the sun. And then I don't know. After that, it was just like. Content. And never, yeah. Rankcast rank is eternal. There we're just go. waking up. Everybody else is going to sleep. Right. But yeah, I don't know. It's like. After, after university, all that stuff, it just turned into one of those things where I became like a guy with a day job and I got back into all of it and started painting at nights and through 40k armies. And then I got into competitive war machine, painted stuff for that. I got like probably my crowning achievement in my hobby world still is I got put in no quarter magazine for war machine because I got a uh, 
what do you call it? Uh, Master Craftsman at Adepticon 2013. And that was like, oh, mm. sweet. <laughs> and uh, and then from there, I actually got a job in miniatures. And I, I designed a game and did a Kickstarter and then have been moved to Australia and kind of left all that behind. And now I just do it for fun. Man. That's kind of the way to do it now. It's, it's crazy because I see a lot of like... Uh intersections and parallels uh, between like kind of how i got to my place in life right now and it's really funny like mm. how we digitally get along and jive with certain certain things i'm like oh yeah yep yep you're saying stuff and i'm just kind of like yeah. yep did that like without the hobby accolades yeah. because i was forced to choose between like going into i was the very much into the art side and like mm. it sort of was able to also be in english and through high school and stuff um yeah. But going into college, like, the thing I said in second grade is I want to write and illustrate my own books when I grow up. That was, like, what I wanted to do. Mm. So, like, for me, I was always growing up, like, doing both. When I went to college, I had to choose between either either art or writing. And writing has always been, like, my main passion. And so, like, all okay. of my art skills decayed. And my whole life sort of went on this weird, like, sort of, like, writing trajectory. And le recently I've come back around to, like, just doodling. Mm. I can't call it sketching. I can't call it drawing. It's just doodling. Um, you know, if you doodles. yeah, just little like tiny doodles. I've I've been drawing this like uh, this like um, like grim hoodie character that just like wears a hood and like goes around making really sardonic uh, like things like uh, I hate hiking and he's standing like suicidally at the top of a cliff and like just <laughs> like these these like really like sort of really yeah. black humor sort of sketches. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. To get back into art because i've just i miss i miss it i used to be the guy who you'd come into the room and he was always drawing this yeah. book and i'm like why don't i do that anymore like mm -hmm. and so i've just been doodling like even as i sit here in rantcast i'll be you know drawing spirals or or swords chucking some stuff down yeah what's really funny too is i remember in school i remember when i when i was like a kid like a pretty basically up until about high school i was the kid in class that could draw well and I was always the kid that was like, when the teacher needed something drawn, she'd be like, hey, Sean, do you want to draw this on the board? Do you want to do this? I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, that's super sweet. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember in seventh grade, I finally hit the point where I felt like I got surpassed. And I felt so betrayed, though, because he learned how to draw from one of those how to draw Dragon Ball Z characters books. Mm -hmm. So he would do the, like, circle and create like the armature for the thing and like do all that and i would never do that Basically i never like, like drawing, when i yeah. when i learned to draw yeah like how you're actually supposed to like realistically put together a canvas and stuff but i was like no nah, fuck that like i draw from my mind i draw <laughs> on the, the paper i don't put any armatures on there this guy's a fucking phony fuck that like yeah. all that stuff and then it was like you know, as i've gotten older i realized like nah i was just kind of like headed and like yeah. thought it was way better than it was and realistically i should have been going like what you're doing that's awesome i want to do it too show me what you're doing i want to learn it well i mean that's that's a life lesson for for age of sigmar and the and the hobby community in general is like you see someone paint or like i've mm. got your your catacross cape up here on on and and like the reaction is very much the like i see this i'm like oh that's metal how do i do that you know and maybe some of that's maturity and maybe some mm. of that's hard knocks maybe there's still people out there who yeah. have that initial reaction that you had back in grade school or seventh grade or whatever yeah yeah see i was always and it's it's oh, so easy to do when you get in yeah yeah like when you're getting into art it's really easy to look at everybody else and be like 
fuck that guy, fuck that guy, fuck that guy, fuck that guy. Like, oh, they're so good, like, whatever, like, that sort of stuff. Then you realize that, like, at the end of the day, where they got, that's actually just hard work. It's actually just literally time put into it in a meaningful way to get there. Well, that's the practice and it's like, of the purpose. You can look up to somebody for motiva- keeping that motivation of doing it. Yeah, You shouldn't look up to people because they like our magical like talented people that came out of nowhere yeah they had to harvest that and like put the time in one of my um one of my uh sort of peers and in like some of the writing groups i'm in uh likes to say uh, she hates calling artists and art i don't when i use the term art uh just for everyone watching you know i mean anything creative uh for me art is writing Mm -hmm. it's painting it's sculpting it's it's filmmaking it's making video games like i art simply means Mm -hmm. a craft right like that's the root artisan art like that's the root of the word yeah yeah like basically or to use charles bukowski anything can be art because art is something done with uh you know anything done dangerously is art right like uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) or it's not a pipe He's got another one with a uh, style is the meaning of everything. So anyway, um, so uh, uh, like I used to, I, I was always comfortably not the best artist, even though I was the one doodling all the time. Um, but like, kind of mm-hmm. like how you talked about, like I never used like the, uh, the armatures either. I always went with, um, I loved uh, Cam DeLeo who did a lot of the tool mm-hmm. art and stuff. And that was yeah. like, got me into like Edward Munch. And that got mm-hmm. me into like a bunch of the, like, the surrealist uh, HR uh, Geiger or Giger. Um, depending on mm-hmm. what the correct, correct pronunciation is, I believe it's Giger. Um, got me into like a lot of that weird stuff. So like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Salvador, uh, you know, you know, Salvador Dali, and so I, I like went like way into like the surrealist mm-hmm. stuff. So, so I completely bypass like figure drawing basically until until mm-hmm. independent study and like late stuff. And by that time, I was already doing these like crazy like yeah. oil like these crazy oil like um <laughs> spreads with like you Big know paintings lady like in the moon and like she basically looks like the ringu lady because it's such a rough crude like sort of not even a mm-hmm. not a realistic form but a representation of the form of a woman like with her hair dripping down from yep. the the moon to become the ocean and a person like the waves are crashing into a tree and making this tree and then someone's trying to climb the tree of, that is waves to get out of it and they're just drowning and like that was yeah. my big project that got put on <laughs> that was my huge project that got put that on sounds, display. that sounds righteous dude. yeah see that was my nice. crowning achievement in art was that that portrait that, um, that's like that's like your magnum opus right there is that yeah like, and you're like, now I just got to live up to that from here. I've tried to sketch it, like, because I know the concept and like it had the circuit, sort of a cir- it was a, a, on a wide rectangular canvas, but it had a like a circular composition. So you're supposed to kind of spot the moon because it's the brightest point. Yeah. And then you'd follow her hairs down into the ocean and yeah. then the ocean would come over to this tree and then you'd find that the person's drowning, but they're kind of reaching toward the moon. And like, and so you had this like circular okay. composition and I've tried to resketch it. I'm like, this looks nothing like that painting. And my grandma's got like a photo of it like- somewhere. But I'm like, man, I suck now. <laughs> like, I'm just like, but, but it's like you said, like it's, and, and I take this at a point of encouragement. And this is what my friend says is she, she hates to use the term talented. She likes to use the term skilled um, because talent, mm, we, we yeah, skilled. talent feels like an innate s- setting. Like you are, you either have mm-hmm. talent or you don't you like talent talent has it's like being a sorcerer versus being a wizard in dungeons and dragons. Like talent feels innate. Mm. Well, the thing is, is like mm-hmm. innate is just kind of like that innate talent is where you start on your sort of journey 
to get good at something. You, yeah. You can, if you're like, okay, cool. You like, you start out life with a talent for drawing. So you're up three rungs on the ladder over somebody. But if you don't harness that and keep working with it, mm-hmm. you will never like ascend the ladder. Whereas that person who can't draw a stick figure buys the anime book, you know, all, you know, figures it all out, puts in the time, just really yeah. wants to be good, practices with a purpose. They'll they'll ascend beyond you. Mm-hmm. Um, just like writing, like I had. Yeah, and uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think what's interesting is like we're both parents here, so we we've seen this kind of happen, but. I think one of the things that's a big misconception and it's something that I've strove for being a parent is that with my daughter, whenever the, whenever I get the chance to, or whenever, whenever there is a chance, like I'm, I'm just there to say like what you want to do with this marker and this pen, like here's some paper to do it. Just make sure it's not like on the walls or like on our floor, but like do it because even if she has an innate talent for drawing because her family's done it or something like that, don't think you can get any further than being, it's like, it's like a, a, a three-year-old gymnast. Like that's really great that you're three years old and you can be a gymnast, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get an Olympic gold. It just means that you have the baseline for someone to start teaching you from there. And right. if you, actually put that in front of them like if you actually give them a canvas to work on they're going to get better right but if you just go oh yeah they're talented they're going to get there in 18 years it's fine you're going to get somebody who doesn't do that thing like it's not going to happen mm-hmm. as you know with my daughter she actually might not be that skilled in in drawing or painting inherently but because she's had enough time sitting there just doodling with her stuff you know, we get back from school like, oh, she learned how to draw a face. She's two years old and she know- she understands the pieces that go together to make a face. She knows that there needs to be two eyes, a nose and a mouth. Mm-hmm. She she can portray that on a page. It's not great yet, but if she keeps doing it, she'll get better at it. Mm-hmm. But if she doesn't, she's going to do something else with her time. Right. And Maybe she's going to pick up a phone and learn how to be really good at pressing buttons on YouTube. That doesn't. It's not just because talent you don't just become an artist from just right. talent right you gotta start there and go from there right and you you have that the sort of 10 uh, the uh malcolm gladwell ten thousand hours thing right like you know you you're not really good at something until you've put ten thousand hours in on it which is you know an arbitrary big value but the point is is like yeah you, you even count. more than that meaningful meaningful ten thousand hours right you can you can just do for ten thousand hours like you know I don't know. Somebody could sit there and like do a jumping rope for 10,000 hours and they're going to get strong. But if you sit there and you keep tripping for 10,000 hours and you keep like not being mindful of what's going on, you're going to be shitty for you know, another 10,000 hours until you stop and go, wow, I'm not doing this right. Yeah. yeah. If you spend 10,000 hours in every hour, you go like, oh, fuck. The thing I've done for the last hour is not good. If you can't look at the end of 10,000 hours and, and hate everything you did for that first 10,000 hours, you didn't do it right. <laughs> like, I hate everything that I've painted yeah. like a year ago because I think it looks like shit. Well, they like, be- I, th- I just think it needs improvement. Well, they become snapshots in time of where you were a year ago. Mm. And I, I find those to become encouraging. Um, 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's 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 interesting because the, the the purposeful application of the skill and over a course of time really is mm-hmm. a super worthy part. If you play a hundred games of Age of Sigmar and all you ever do is push your models forward and roll dice, you might never learn something that the person yeah. puts in like ten games and they're always trying to like play it different or figure out you know like strategize around it and you know well what happens if i attack from this angle they're they're being mindful of objectives and yeah 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 no no, i think that if you're thinking about how to play a scenario Mm -hmm. big difference from moving models forward right right and then that's you're going to find that consistent in art in writing and filmmaking whatever your craft is uh aos coach uh sean has all the talent mad props to his skills thanks for all your help bud so how's it going coach (laughs) you're welcome uh yeah yeah so um thank so, you so uh, try and do cool stuff hopefully everybody likes my cool stuff i do i i love it man um speaking of like the uh so you you have this talent um you went on a sojourn you ended up in australia fighting outback beasts uh to prove that you were uh the best yep. at outdoors as well um and uh and you end up in age of sigmar i feel that's just probably a natural progression you came here because we have the coolest models and the best community right <laughs> i think it's i think the biggest thing about it is community right it's right. like i moved to i moved to australia and like you know i came from war machine like no i don't know it was two months or three months or something like that there's this big uproar about like what war machine was to a lot of people like i've made so many lifelong friends from war machine and i think i would have made them too if i was in age of sigmar or 40k yeah, or stuff like yeah, that i just yeah, happen I to be in war machine i, I like have to be on general hobby I'm sorry sorry i'm not actually disparaging people's <laughs> i mean except for 40k i'm disparaging 40k players but but everybody else you're cool Continue. even still people in 40k <laughs> make lifelong friends that I know, I know. could be like you know the best men at their at their weddings and stuff like see, that see that was a point like i had life. a friend from oh go ahead i was just saying that was a point in time uh, where i had the high like road i had a friend from war machine road. totally took the low road yeah <laughs> took the low road yeah <laughs> it's like you know my first friend in australia was from war machine it's like my first you know the person who uh uh actually married my wife and i was actually the the person at the wedding was a friend from initially war machine mm-hmm. so it's like you have this you still create these connections regardless of whatever game and and people from the outside might not understand it and people from the outside don't understand age of sigmar too there's people that talk shit about it constantly and they just are not opening their eyes to say like this is actually a really open-ended and amazing universe that you can do literally whatever you want to in here and find a way to justify it I can make orcs that are carrying around guitars and tell you that they're in Shamon, the realm of metal, and they're able to like smith guitars from Aether Magic that they've taken. And then there's also Gurian metal involved as well that makes it primal. And that's how they're able to make a mechanical maw crushers because it's from Gur. And so it's got primal aspects of the earth directly into the metal, and that's what makes it go crazy. Mm-hmm. that's how it comes to life and you're like yeah yeah okay and you're like yeah that's what they've given us with age of sigmar is you can it's almost like when somebody tries to lie to you and they come up with ways that seem convincing and if they go for long enough you might actually get swayed that's like the universe of age of sigmar is you can effectively lie for long enough 
that it's actually correct. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what the Age of Myth is, is it's a bunch of potential lies about what was there before. It's called the Age of Myth, as in yeah. myth, basically made up, mythological. Um, and <laughs> and so it's like, who are you to tell me that this other thing didn't exist there? Like, it, it is... Age of Sigmar is the blank canvas world. I mean, that's for better or for worse. Some people want more details filled in. And I think those details are filling in with each battle tome and each, you know, malign portents. And now we're getting, uh, we had Wrath and Rapture and Wrath of the Everchosen. And we're about to get this uh, Broken Realms one. So that's, you know, that canvas is filling in, but it's so wide. It's so big a universe that you really can, uh, you know, infuse it with whatever you want um if you're good enough at bullshitting you can yeah. make it work and i love it no i mean that's that's why i love it that's why i love it by the way meth yeah. tech was today with bone and... splitters as Drakfoot. <laughs> nice get wrecked dope uh oh. just, just uh this I... is the orc episode so yeah uh, that's very fitting right yeah yeah we're about to, we were just about to talk about you, his orc army. um Drakfoot's wow. low-key oh my gosh uh, bone splitters are low key still pretty potent. I don't think people really experimented with them too much because just I look at the the transition of wah. the gameplay. Wah, right? Yeah, wah, exactly. Yeah. He auto dispelled the wrong spell. Get wrecked. It was just like, <laughs> get wrecked. Um, I mean, that's a big thing, right? Is that you just if everybody's playing big wah, and objectively from the outside, it's it's one of those things where it's just strong inherently for all the abilities that it gives you. And so it's also what everybody expects you to play. And so sometimes when you play things like Jackfoot, that's when you could be a meta breaker and you fucking, you do stuff that people don't expect. And all of a sudden they're like, holy shit, how'd this guy get to do that? And it's like, cause I'm not playing the thing that you expect me to take motherfucker. Right. Well, known commodities. I mean, people become practice against known commodities. Yeah. Um, and then when you don't have those known commodities anymore, uh, you can exploit that. Um, Actually, uh, Tom and and uh, Brendan were both talking about that on Warhammer Weekly yesterday about how like they like to be that sort of sometimes exist in that innovative space where like you don't know what I'm bringing and the and the kind of like sick tech I got, uh, but that's the Johnny Spike mentality. Yeah. Um, so you well, and that's one thing that was really interesting about War Machine is that because they used the two list format, you could have a known commodity as one have your own crazy bullshit thing as number two Wait. and people are like oh well i know that this matchup is good against one and so they picked that and you pick number two and they picked their pairing to go with one and you're like surprise i like that mental what game. i got I, I like the that sort of mental uh, that that mental game um wait war machine had a two list format <laughs> <laughs> this is just i'm just finding this out i'm this many I years old when i heard about this that is that was the competitive the competitive format was a two list format. So pretty much every time you had two warcasters and two separate fifty point lists. And so half of honestly, I would say half of being good at that game was understanding how to play your opponent at the beginning game and understanding what your matchups looked like, basically what your green, orange, red, yellow matchups like. How do I play this other person first? Play the game second. Mm -hmm. So. If I can put down two two lists that a person is like, I don't know how to cope with what's going on here exactly, you could get somebody that way. And then sometimes it would also be like rock scissors. It'd be like somebody would put down effectively, you know, something that's super shooting heavy. And you go like, okay, 
well, either of my lists are, are good against shooting heavy lists, so he's going to have to pick the other one. So then I pick which one of my two lists is better against that other one that isn't shooting heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nashcon actually uh, it has a two-list format, and it's it's one of my favorite <laughs> tournaments I've been to. Like, it's two-list. I love that. For me, that's where you can really – like, you can take your cookie cutter, your meta, your kind of like your safe list – but then you really get that opportunity to experiment mm -hmm. with that second list. Now, obviously, like part of the difficulty of that is traveling with sometimes two distinct armies. Um, was that the same oh, yeah. war machine? Well, like you have, you have like actually two armies, or, or is it the point they're not playing I mean, the same level models that makes it feel more feasible? How does that break down? I mean, it, it kind of depends. It kind of depends on the army that you're playing. I was playing so pretty much the entire time I played War Machine, I played. Trollbloods, at least that's what I was playing competitively. Um, and I I think that Trollbloods, to play their competitive list at that time, had a lot of models, and still I could fit them all in one of the Battle Foam Privateer press bags. Um, and it's about the same size as like a, a Battle Foam 720. Yeah, so my, it's like something that you could take with you. Yeah, my buddy's easily. got the, the Privateer press one because it was on sale. Um, I guess maybe you don't know yep. this, but what what the heck happened to War Machine? It feels like the game just disappeared one day. Privateer Press is still around, aren't they? Uh, there's a lot. Okay, well, okay, there's maybe a, that's there's a, a lot of depth to it. But I mean, probably like from the outside, without getting into the real details of it, the main part of it was that they moved into a new uh, a new era of the game. They moved into a third edition. With that third edition, there were a lot of changes that were not accepted very, very well with the, the community as a whole. And so a lot of the community felt very disenfranchised. And then at the same time as that is happening, you also have Age of Sigmar that's starting to get a bit more serious. Because when Age of Sigmar first came out, it the was like a giant yeah. joke within... Yeah. A war machine community like look at these fucking stupid rules oh like if it's dark outside and you roll a six that means that you auto crit or like you know whatever right it was like i can't even remember the the um age of sigmar rules i just remember there were ones that were like time of day base and whether it was dark or light in the room and it was stuff that was obviously like meant to kind of take the piss and have people talking about it and then um you know, then War Machine all of a sudden hits this third edition, has some bumps in the road, and Age of Sigmar has like started rewriting some rules and kind of refining back away from that ridiculous stuff and being like, actually, here's a game with points and you can play it competitively and stuff. And so a lot of people were like, all right, well, let's start paying attention to Age of Sigmar. The models are pretty sweet. Guild Ball started coming out too, so there were a lot of War Machine players that went over to Guild Ball at that time. Mm -hmm. um, they just had kind of the bottom drain out from underneath them when they when they started to make a few mistakes. So, Interesting. then you get to the point where they're at now, and they really can't re grab a lot of the same people again well, because if you alienated your fan base, they feel disenfranchised. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you once you alienate a fan base, it's really hard to recapture that. I mean, Warhammer went through the same thing <laughs> with the the world that was with with uh, you know old Hammer quote unquote or Eighth Edition to Age of Sigmar. Most of those yes. Ethed players are just now, five years later, giving the game a shot. Mm. Uh, I think Cities of Sigmar forced yes. some of their hands, but.
but but I mean they they yeah. very it was a drip feed just a trickle of them coming back as there's no once that mass exodus comes they don't really like come back in that same yeah. in that same capacity yeah there's not like an exodus back it's like we'll get two a month or yeah. whatever at yeah. best at best and you have to have like a big draw like at least Warhammer Age of Sigmar the draw is the models at the end of the day like everybody's looking at these models going like. I don't know how for an army game you beat these models on a one for one basis. Well, not without all of us investing can, the time and energy. Not all of us can green stuff on sick ass faces onto a cape like this over here. Some of us <laughs> need to rely on the inherent aesthetics of a of, of a model. You know that professionals and some and work. they still look great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they look great. Yeah, real quick. And especially if you want to put a a model on the army, yeah, yeah. or a model on the table, that's how you're gonna get there. Yeah, yeah. Real quick here, we got some action in chat, gang. Uh, so Dreamer bragging uh, about uh, having murdered uh, Techless today. Um, hey, how's it going, D6? How's it going, Elf Joe? Um, and then Dreamer immediately parlayed that into, you and Elf send in the big stabbers. Elf's drool, split his drool, and this is amazing. <laughs> Uh, uh, keep keep the gloves above the belt. It's all in good fun, everybody. Um, no, this is uh, see, right. I, I don't know. I I like the um. I was kind of thinking about like the Grand Alliance thing, and obviously this is the month of this is uh, Mephisto's yep. merry month of death. Uh, I was thinking about the Grand Alliance thing and how um. Forty K has it to a lesser extent with Imperial and Xenos and so on and Chaos, but it doesn't feel quite as resonant mm. as saying death destruction chaos order like yeah. those are very broad yep. stroke concepts that i can tell any player for the most part with a remote interest in like say either fantasy or just like kind of tabletop or gaming in general right because they, they might not even be a fantasy nerd to like want to jump in on age of sigmar because you can show them a ko army and they would like their brain would twist is like is this even fantasy right <laughs> um but you can go yep. like you give those broad stroke concepts and people just like they get it. They know what death and destruction are. They know what chaos and order mean, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that's a really good yep. draw for Age of Sigmar. Um, maybe I've cast or cursed it because there's been speculation that three third edition might get rid of that. Uh, you might get rid of Grand Alliances, yep. but but who knows? Um so I, I think I guess, they'll still see. I think they'll still have the Grand Alliances, but then I think what they're more talking about is you just can't choose a non like you can't choose anything that doesn't have an allegiance right like something has to have a faction allegiance that you go to basically just targeting sam morgan and they're making sure that sam morgan and darren watson can't write lists anymore it's basically it's yeah. that's what it is yeah that's what the, that, that targeted hate um <laughs> no yeah. uh, uh, sam morgan's uh smorgan's got a really really solid grip on uh on actually like uh, grand alliance death maybe i should have brought him on this month um, anyway, mm. he seems like a hot git. I don't want to bother him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, well, I don't know. Like, it depends on which one you get on each day, right? It's like whether you're getting the haiku, I don't know, haiku one, one or yeah, like Marxist one or yeah, Marxist. like which one? I don't know. Like, there's a new one, like something about the battle didn't happen sam morgan like there's there's okay. so many burner accounts with that man i don't like how do you how do you get that how do you how do you pin him down no i'm kidding um so so yeah like grand alliance did you so you're you're playing orcs uh did you jump in with orcs was that like because you were playing yeah. the tro the trolls before and you kind of 
Uh, so you come into Age of Sigmar and you're like, ah. So. This is 40k. <laughs> I actually. So, I was, um, to be honest, the main reason that drove me to orcs was not anything in 40k. It was more about Warcraft, to be entirely Ooh. honest. So, one of the first models that I bought as an Age of Sigmar model was the weird knob shaman um uh, the orc army and i turned it into guldan that was just the first thing i did was i turned it into guldan i put spikes coming out of his back i painted him up with like green energy around him and i was like this is sweet so then the next thing i bought was the foot war boss and i turned him into garrosh and i was like okay cool he's now like garrosh inspired and then i was like all right well do i make like a full army out of it and uh yeah, and then I just started buying more and more, and then I did like one of the. I, well, and then I I hated the Ard Boys, so I started making Ard Boys out of the Blood Bowl models, and I painted up in that red and blue, like because the idea was that it was red and blue for like War or for Warcraft, because like Alliance and Horde. Anyway, mm-hmm. I was like, this is actually going to drag on for so long, and I'm not. I'm kind of losing interest in it, and then. I was just like, what if I just like infuse something that I really like into it that isn't Warcraft where I, I'm hit and miss about like, I'm like, oh, sometimes I really love Warcraft. Sometimes I want nothing to do with it because at times it's taken over my life, whatever. Like, but something that's I, super I like lost. permeated my life and I love. Yeah. Yeah. I lost. I lost lose time with it. I lost. Sure. I lost some some important years to, to World of Warcraft there. Progr- uh, there was a fell in with an RP server for like a year um, progression rating on either side of that. And like, it was, yeah, I, I have a love hate relationship with Warcraft two. The thing is I, I love Warcraft one and two, the video games. Warcraft two is one of those first games I like yep. played that I just like kind of began to know, to, to think I might be a nerd, you know, you're in like, you know, cause like, like we grew up in a period of time where like, um yes you had to pursue having a like a pc or a like you know like having a computer to play like pc games and stuff like that but just you know someone's dad or someone's uncle would have a nintendo or a super or at least that's my age group where like someone's dad would just have a nintendo and that'd be like okay yeah they play like a game but they weren't like gamers or nerds yet that 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 didn't come yeah that didn't really develop yet warcraft was right around the time where i'm like I might be a nerd. Like, I was just like, like, I was obsessed with, with Warcraft 2. And I always played orcs, by the way. Uh, humans can get effed in the A. Um, uh, but in the Battle of Hillsbrad, like, come on. <laughs> there was the, oh man, I, that that was so good time. So, so I was like a natural lock for when World of Warcraft came out because I had already played Ultima. I don't know, are, is your audio still working? Um, it, I, I had been, I had played Ultima. Give me, give there, me like 45 there. seconds. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll uh, <laughs> easily fa- finish this tangent off. Um, I had, um, like I was a natural lock for, for, for World of Warcraft. I actually got into the beta for it because I'd been playing, um, I'd been playing EverQuest. Um, I had experience with Ultima and, and, uh, Dark Age of Camelot. So it was like, like I, I got into the beta for that. And, um, it was like that game was weaponized against me, it felt, to just, like, really, really, like, capture me. And, like, as I, 
I rolled Alliance actually the like the first time because all of my friends were playing Alliance and I begged for them to go Horde. And so I played what you, you play what your friends play. It's true of Wargaming. It is true of so many things. If you have a decision between League of Legends, Dota 2, uh, you know, Heroes of New Earth, or uh, sorry, Heroes of the Storm, uh, you'll probably go with the one your friends play the most often. Um, so, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> giant Wasp just flew in here. <laughs> uh, so you probably go with what you did so, so we did alliance at first but eventually i we i was able to coax them back over to the horde side um you know and and it's been history since um yeah the murder hornet has arrived Good now it's true I'm back I, i've imported some of australia there's a murder hornet in here uh you missed that while you were gone oh um, shit yeah that's somewhere it's okay. I, yeah, exactly. I only, burn it down. I only burn, truly, burn the whole house down. It's done. Truly hate wasps and hornets. Like I just want to burn it all. Like I, I don't mind bees. Bees are kind of like <laughs> cute, but um, wasps are bastards. Mm -hmm. If you can see the eyes, the mandibles, or the stingers, get the fuck out. Just fire. Yeah, wasps are no good. Yeah. Um. Also, they're way more aggressive. Um. The. Uh oh. Hey, hey, uh, man, Zach. It's been a little while. Hopefully he knows to hop back in the uh, thing. Uh, so the thing I was saying is, like, you tend to play what your your friends play. Um, there he is. You tend to play what your friends play. Um, one thing I really, really love about orcs is orcs tend to be orcs tend to be orcs. You know, mm -hmm. like, it, it... I mean, the Warcraft orc is actually rather different from the Warhammer orc because it had to be legally distinct. Uh, if you know anything about the origins of how Warcraft actually came to be, it was uh, originally going to be a, a Warhammer licensed a Games Workshop game, or at the time where they still Citadel. It was originally supposed to be their game, um, but, you know, relationships soured, so they had to, like, you know, copy the homework but change it just enough to not get sued. Um, they did that, and, and that, actu that actually kept Games Workshop from getting out of the mm -hmm. digital market for, like, a full decade later or more. On top of it, they they dabbled a little bit with like Dark Omen, uh, for like the play, yeah, like a couple, yeah, of for sure. They dabbled a little bit, but it took them a long time to like you know dive in on like Total Warhammer. Uh, what was the awesome, awesome 40k one? Yeah, uh, the, the awesome, awesome 40k, uh, uh Space Marine. I remember Space Marine was Marine. actually just a sweet game, yeah, Space it was Marine. just a fun hack and slash game, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that took them a they. Dude. Dude, coach, calm down. Calm down with the undead orcs over here, bro. Calm down. <laughs> Where are the undead orcs? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, dude, dude, don't talk about that yet. That's gonna be my secret project, man. Yeah. 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 So, um, so why isn't man? This is so much going on right now. Warhammer Age of Reckoning. Yes, war. Um. See so yeah, how war happened and so on and so chat, forth. Chat blew up. Yeah. Yeah. Chat. Everyone's showing up. EQ Clan Crushbone Orcs or Bust, I think. The Emperor Crushbone. <laughs> Nagash hates Lizardmen, especially Croak. Nagash is ambivalent towards Croak, for they are two immortal beings who, uh, for whom death is but a dream and not a reality. Um, I don't think that they... Uh, Croak is a nuisance at best. Uh, the way this wasp is a nuisance, but ultimately I will destroy it. 
or just outlive it because I can ignore it until it dies from the cold that's about to happen. Yes, All right. indeed. All right, so yeah, you, so you actually um, so you were you were um, you were talking about how like you you had the Warcraft inspiration uh, coming over, and so you kind of jumped into yeah, yeah. Age of Sigmar with orcs, and then yeah, yeah. So I start I start just doing it for fun for hobby stuff because I was like I just you know, I liked the models I wanted to make uh wanted to make Warcraft inspired orcs and I thought it was neat and then. I just went down this road where I, you know, like I was saying is like, I wanted to be inspired by a thing that I always felt inspired by. And so I went, went to music and I was like, how do I take music and make it my muse for an army? Mm -hmm. How do I, how do I just literally distill down the things that I'm into? I feel like uh, into a thing that I can make an army. Was this as recent as last year? Or is my my memory hazy on this? Last year that you're two years maybe. Uh, this feels like it was relatively honestly, recent. Honestly, it was the beginning. The, the beginning of this year is yeah. when I really started. Like I I kind of dabbled at the end of last year, but at the beginning of this year was when it started, and then it it didn't. It, I know it feels like forever. I know. To be, See, I'm, like, I'm bad. To be I'm bad at time in general. Like I just my brain doesn't. I mm-hmm. speaking of like the art thing, I'm always in my right brain for the most part, and mm-hmm. shifting over to that left brain where logic and time and 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 directions <laughs> are is like a like a con- yep. like a it's a conscious effort, and I don't usually do that mm-hmm. effort because uh, you know I, I'm going on like two to four hours of sleep most days, and it yeah you yeah gotta conserve your energy. yeah you gotta work with what you yeah. got yeah, yeah yeah um so like time is just like super elusive man I feel like it's <laughs> it's just like I, I feel so, like it was uh... it was it was like forever ago that you were kind of like, you were having like some basing. You're like, you weren't sure like about the base and stuff like that. And, and then like, it was just like, uh, like dawned on you oh, yeah. to like put it on the amplifier, you know, like, and you, you, you doodle up this whole like amplifier <laughs> rig system. And, put it on the fucking speakers. Yeah. Just put yeah. it on the speakers. Well, yeah. So, so no, yeah, and, I'm sorry. And, I cut you and off, what's actually it, really interesting okay. is I got, no, it's a, uh, I got super into competitive card games. So when I, when I when my daughter was born, all of a sudden I was I put all of my modeling stuff away, and I went I was playing Magic every Friday, and then playing Magic online while I had like a sleeping kid and playing Hearthstone and stuff. And that was what happened in the fallout from not wanting to paint my Warcraft orcs. Um, and then I finally hit the point where I was like, "Fuck!" I'm kind of over playing Magic all the time, like. I'll admit I was doing all right. Like I was doing pretty good, but I still was just like, it's not, it's not what I want to do all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to get back into modeling again. So yeah, I, I then just looked at a war boss on a mod crusher and I was like, how do I make that like a rock God? Literally just like if the other Oryx looked to him, they'd be like, this is the fucking dude and that's where it started like it was just like and then how do i coalesce a lot of things so like you know there's a lot of different artists that probably have portrayals of some aspect in there um in crush my war boss that are not it's not like one specific role icon that is there but he's got pieces of a lot of stuff like honestly, if you if you just looked at him straight on, he'd probably look like I don't know Trevor from Black Dahlia Murder with short hair, 
and a hat on or something like that. But there's like there's just a lot of stuff. But Trevor doesn't play guitar, even though he might. I don't know, but he's well, you, generally you had, a singer. So you had one that was like a little Slash inspired too, as I recall, right? Like because you or or Lemmy. Well, I've got I've got Lemmy. Yeah. I have literally like Lemmy as an orc, and then the other guy. He's kind of Slash, but I. I think we sorted it out that he actually just looks like a roided out Devin Thompson. So like this dude, he's got like a he's got like the bald head and he's just like wailing away on a guitar. And then if you kind of like look, there's a picture of Devin Thompson where he's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, well, we got roided out Devin Thompson, uh, we got Limmy, and then I've got my my drum set, which is still kind of like, I still have a few things I need to do to finish that, but that's all Mecha Maw Crusher on the back of the Mecha Maw Crusher is a drum set. And there's two little goblins on there. And one of the goblins is based on Travis Barker in like rough ways. And then um, the other one just kind of looks like a little lackey. So, so, so for you, do you, do you think like sort of finding that outside inspiration? I like to talk about people putting their personality on the table when we play Age of Sigmar. I think that's one of the things that makes this game Mm -hmm. so great. Was that finding that outside inspiration mm-hmm. just like, like, was that like a, it all clicked type moment? Was that, it was like, yes, like that was the. Yeah, I think so. Um, what I think is really interesting about Age of Sigmar and the models is that it's very easy to look at the models for Age of Sigmar and view them as if they already have the information attached to them. Mm-hmm. But when I view Age of Sigmar models, I generally view them the same way I view a white canvas where I go. I actually, I need to create the inspiration to put on what I want to be doing here. Mm-hmm. So even like with a lot of my busts that I'm working on right now, even though I'm I'm not modifying anything on there, I'm not there to just take the bust exactly it is, as it is. Like I a, have a purpose or a focus. Yeah, like flesh tones might, just to be, use a simplified example, flesh tones might not read as flesh tones when you're seeking for your inspiration. You're like, oh, like this is a humanoid. And then, like, we try to go towards flesh tones. You're like, nah, like, this is going to be metallic. And this is going to, you know, like, you, you yeah. kind of look to... Yeah, exactly, whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, with, with that, literally over the last, um, last uh, you know, two, three months especially, I've really just been like, you know how I want to learn how to paint? I want to learn how to paint, like, Caravaggio. I want to be, like, a... I want to learn, like, Tenebrism and, like, heavy chiaroscuro art. And... So I was like, if I'm going to level up my skill and I'm going to push that, then I need to like pull myself all the way back and start from scratch, but using that as my muse. And so I looked up, how did Caravaggio paint? What do people use as their kind of basis for that? And then I learned, well, generally Caravaggio would take his white canvases, lay down a layer of ochre on top of it, add all of his highlights, add all of his blacks, and then glaze in flesh tones. And I was like, well, I guess that's how I'm going to start learning how to paint. It's like, like with these busts, I spray them all in like an ochre, like a red ochre type color, and then work on my highlights, work on my shadows, start glazing in, start sketching in more colors, and then refine from there. And it's just like, I'm going to do that. And it's going to take me time to get better that way. But I think at the end of it, like I can think of myself in five to 10 years, people will be like, that dude has the capability to effectively replicate tenebrism, chiaroscuro, things similar to Caravaggio. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's, that's like the type of light control that I want to feel like I have personally. 
But then when people look at my art, they go, I can see that being an influence. Well, well uh, Kiroskiro is the, the harsh, uh, the harsh light to dark, right? Like that's the, like, it's the really abrasive. Uh, yeah. Just the fact that within, within a gradient of light, yeah. white and black both exist and all everything in between is there. So like, uh, I mean, I mean, literally Chiaroscuro is just light and dark. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just like when you see the the sphere and it's just using blacks and white and gray and you can tell that it's a sphere on two dimensions, that's Chiaroscuro. Right, right, right. I, Chiaroscuro. Yeah, had, had, a, had a have a teaching moment there for folks that, uh, that, uh, that yeah. might not be familiar. Yeah, um, I mean, it's really about yeah. light is a lot of the, the stuff. So, I mean, it's really cool because you're kind of approaching it like... Um, uh, this is that practicing with a purpose thing that that kind of goes all the way back to the mm -hmm. the origin of the episode or, or rather your sort of experience with art to begin with um i mean it's never i think another good lesson here is it's never too late to sort of like deprogram and like pick it pick up a new skill um you don't always mm -hmm. fall all the way back yeah. down to the bottom of the ladder you know you, you, uh, um, there's still some stuff there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I literally, I probably have at least two to three brands worth of full ranges of paint and scale 75 is what sits on my desk right now. But I think I have a decent amount of GW and P3 and various other paints around. But I pulled everything else out of my palette and just said, these are nine colors that I'm going to use. And they're the same nine colors that Caravaggio used on his palette. And so I was like, all right, that's what it is. It's ochre, red oak, uh, sorry, uh, Red ochre, yellow ochre, uh, basically lead yellow, lead red, lead white, um, carmine red slash uh, cadmium red, black, which is ivory black, um, and then sienna type color, and then verdigris, which is like a teal teal blue, and just trying to do everything with those colors. Nothing else. Everything has to get mixed, and it leads me down good places because it's like i want to put a blue type color on here it's like well maybe you you can't do it the way that you thought you would do that you thought you would do it you have to trick your the eye to think it reads as blue with mm -hmm. a black and a gray and a and a, that sort of thing so it's very interesting it's it's a it's the challenge so, so why why is Car caravaggio the the inspiration why is that the one you keep kind of coming back to um i think like caravaggio it's really interesting to me because there's this uh there's an interesting side of him without going too deep into art history and like everything about caravaggio but like um you know you could t you could pull the same sort of things from someone else like gentileschi or any of the like any of that sort of baroque did. period well and even rembrandt's Rembrandt's a little bit in more interesting because he, he fell a little bit more in line with what people were expecting. What was cool about Caravaggio or like there's a, there's that certain level in me where I always like the the drop kicks and the rebels and that sort of stuff. And Caravaggio had this interesting sort of life story and it's it's been pieced together and not all that might be true, but he spent most of his adult artist life on the run from the church because he through various different me well let's see he killed a couple people he was in trouble with the law constantly he had a really bad temper which they believe was probably because he used mostly lead paints and he also was doing all this like weird uh quasi camera obscura stuff to be able to actually get his um 
to start his painting. So he'd have a model in front of him, have a light coming out of the roof, reflect it back onto his um, onto he's his like, canvas. He's, he's messing and he with would the get... light itself. Like he was actually like trying to get unnatural angles with lights so that he could paint the thing. Because I mean, you know, they didn't exactly have like studio lighting in that day. You you had yeah 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 yeah. So he'd have like a light in the roof. And then, yeah, he'd reflect that back onto his canvas and he would get an impression that would last for about 30 minutes. So in about 30 minutes, he would have to, on his canvas, just slap on all the the general kind of ideas, which is where that, that style comes from, is to start with, start with brown and then go all the highlights and all the shadows. And then a later model, I got it, you're fine. I can just do the rest based upon skin tone basically basically upon knowledge because as soon as you have the light in the shadow it's all glazing in mid-tones and, and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. uh, but then anyway so Caravaggio himself always on the run creating absolute amazing pieces like literally to this day you look back and they're fucking masterpieces uh, like something like uh, Julius Slang Hall of Fernes and you look at that picture, and both his, both Caravaggio's and Gentileschi's are amazing pieces, both because it's just a very, uh, it's quite a, a moving, um, an impactful piece, because that you have, especially at the time, you have a woman that's literally beheading another, uh, beheading a man, uh, for wronging, wronging her, and I believe it was also her family was the story. Is you know she's basically stepping up to take, take vengeance for her family. Um, we actually the um, there's and, I have an episode. No, he's on the run creating these pieces that were insane. No, I've, there's an episode that um, that Andrew Yells did. Um, it's technically on my YouTube, but it was his show for the Adepticon mm-hmm. at home. Uh, we we talked about this painting actually. Okay. So I, I think it's fantastic that you, okay he's right he's, on he's, yeah yeah he's also one of those those hobbyists who's he's just completely about the light and like that's just it's pretty much all he's ever thinking about um the mm. you know, the highlights and the low lights and um and where to put the light yeah. on the figure and he, he like you could put the light here if you feel like putting it here and then just paint it that way and like so he's very into that and so I find it mm-hmm. interesting that you you share a similar uh, uh eye yeah, yeah actually to him yeah. Well, and what's interesting is that has been my focus to the point where like, um, and, and let this be a, a lesson to anyone that's watching or anybody that listens to this is like anybody that's in the hobby that you are looking that you see their models and you think that they're really good. There's almost guaranteed a way to reach and talk to them in some way, as long as it's genuine and like meaningful, like you're not just like, oh, your stuff is sweet. Just tell me how to do what you do. But if you go like, okay, so I'm approaching like this. If you were in this exact situation, can you lead me in a direction or can you tell me what you would kind of approach it as? And more than likely, you'll be able to get something, whether it means subscribing to a Patreon to find stuff, that might be the be the, the avenue that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. But if you care and you actually want to find out, you're going to be willing to accept some of that cost. And that's been like where I've been at is like, I will literally get in contact with whoever I think I might help me on my path and see if I can get anything. If I can't get anything sweet, like that's fine. I understand that anybody else is trying to fit like hobby time and they're very like, I'm poor lives that we all have. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you do get a little bit of time out of them and you are able to at least glean a little bit of information, 
some of the information that you get from other people is just good, just different perspective. Like, yo, dude, I'm trying to do this non-metallic metal uh, and apply this atmosphere of like this really forward-facing light, but the metal is really textured and really weird. And every picture I find doesn't portray it properly. If you were in this, like, do you have any references that you might think of, or what would you do? And it's like, well, here I can show you this, or like, oh, I had, I did this one. This is kind of what I would do, or whatever. Or you, you can find examples of paintings that people have done, and and more than likely you'll be able to find a way to pull off what you're trying to do. But some stuff's really fucking weird. Like even when you take a a flashlight to a model, you shine it in a specific way, you catch the light studies, and then you try and replicate it. You're like. Yeah, but this is a plastic model. It's not uh, chrome or whatever that I'm trying to replicate. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it becomes a very interesting process to get to the point where you can portray all these things in miniature form and look convincing. Uh, but there's probably someone who's tried to do it before, and they're more than likely reachable. Stand on the backs of giants a little bit, right? Like, <laughs> hey, yeah. Fluke Skywalker, how's it going, my friend? Welcome to Rantcast. Um, a lot of chat gang showing up tonight. I love it. Um, That's good. So drawing inspiration from kind of like, you know. Everything. Everything, right? Anything and everything. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in just a second. Um, but this is this is a mm -hmm. common thread I think people will notice throughout this episode because this is actually kind of like the – this is the secret topic of tonight is, is drawing inspiration from everything. Yes, um, yes, yes. But now you're, you're, you've, you've, you've done the orc project. You're kind of – and you're on to this. We've seen – I've shown the catacross. I'm going to leave – I'm going to leave uh, – I'm going to leave this, this fine art, art up for a moment longer. But uh, I was showing the catacross yeah, model yeah. throughout. And if, if you haven't seen the catacross because you're listening on like Anchor or Spotify um, – um, just follow him again on Twitter. Um, follow follow this man's hobby journey. Uh, they're, they're... It's just it's just Catacross on top of Arkans Mount. It's nothing that crazy. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Apart from the green, well, I don't know. Maybe it's crazy. It might be crazy. Monkey and like screaming faces on the back, uh, which are metal as hell. Um, so, so, but now you're moving on to this OBR project, uh, and you confess to me something secretly, and I don't know if you want to share that about like death feels like a little bit like a homecoming maybe or or like you're, you're feeling really jazzed about the project what were your words to me but <laughs> uh, uh, it's interesting because i i always felt like death is more uh more like where i should be drawing a lot of my inspiration mostly because it's like um uh, i don't know I, in liking the kid the you know the more like rebellious or like drop kicks or whatever like i always was way more into like um, I don't know. You know, I grew up on Nightmare Before Christmas, and even things like Dark Crystal have like an essence of like, you know, these like living mummies and shit. And it's like it's got this sort of like dark feel to it. Um, if you grew up and, in the like, uh, Tim Burton so, era, essentially, um, yeah, you were <laughs> primed Brian. to be a goth, <laughs> like you just to get into yeah, the, yeah, 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 God. yeah. And and even you know even when you go into the like Dracula world and and you know you head into like Queen of the Damned and that sort of stuff that came out when I was like a teenager and and all that stuff you have these things that are just like ongoing of being like I would I'm more into that than like I don't know well, orcs kind bloody of... rom coms or something I'd rather watch yeah. yeah like orcs kind of only exist in 
Uh, I talk about like the order, chaos, destruction, death, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like, what is quintessentially orc about Games Workshop almost only exists in in fantasy, like in made up stuff. Whereas, like the threat of death and even like chaos and Lord of the Rings, Warcraft. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're, I mean, the, like it's, those it's, are the three places you find it. Yeah, you don't find that crossover necessarily into. I mean, I guess um, Goonies has sort of like an ogre crossover um, with uh, what is his name, the Chunk or whatever. Hey, you guys! What the heck's his <laughs> you name? Guys. What's his name? Um, oh, gosh, I'm blanking on it. Yeah, because Chunk is the the kid. It's the kid, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm feeling the same way as you right now. Yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, because I always think important. Chunk too, and I'm always like, no. Yeah. Check in, um, help us out here. Yeah. Freaking yeah, Josh but, Roland is the and, only And it's interesting that too, too that even when, when orcs show up and stuff, it's generally like, um, Sloth. they either go more goblin y. Thank Sloth. you. There we Thank go. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like Goonie, like yeah, you don't you don't ever really get the orc. You get like orc ish, right? Like right, like goblin ish, right? They're, I mean, they're not. Um, you know, Dark Crystal's got I'd, I'd say representation of goblins. Obviously, Labyrinth has goblins, but like, um, mm-hmm. but like you don't really get that. But like the Goblin King himself is like more of a freaking vampire esque with the the prettiness and the huge hair yeah yeah the massive cod piece like you you could totally he's wearing the freaking cravat you know like he's got the frilly collars like you're like that's a Mm. the goblin king's a vampire you heard it here first bowie and bowie himself might actually be a slon star master who's making us hallucinate seeing (laughs) i don't want to get bowie defies the grand alliances but but he certainly appears the thin white duke is a vampire um like he he mm-hmm. kind of defies he is all of the grand alliances that is the power of bowie um <laughs> the goblin king is he's totally like more he yeah, yeah go ahead. the goblin king well probably would have totally been on the pantheon right yeah like he would have been on he would have been a pantheon god for sure oh yeah oh yeah like uh like in the, mi- the time of myth like like i mean he might have even formed his own pantheon where it's just all of his personas throughout time if you know anything, here we'll go deep cuts here. Um, or the Pantheon was him. All along! All of the gods were just... Yes! All, they were just all visions of Bowie. Yeah. It's just been David Bowie the whole time. And and David Bowie was inside of our heart, too. Um, no, but if you know David Bowie is like the personas and stuff. Like, he... They were, like... I I mean, I, I, um, I have a complicated belief structure and i lean way far more philosophical and skeptic than than anything but Mm. but david bowie essentially inhabited these shells for a while and he like needed them and then like he didn't even think Mm. of them as him they were that that thing that he needed for that album or that album and so on and so forth like he didn't become Mm. actually just david bowie until like sort of the, the 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 sort of latter half of his career because before it was like the the personas and like living through the personas and stuff and like he would change mm-hmm. his diet he would change the drugs he consumed like <laughs> which probably had something to do with it um yeah 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 um speaking of like but yeah it's possible that david bowie is all the pantheons or all the gods of the pantheon and what's so weird about david well what's interesting about david bowie is he is like David Bowie is David Bowie. You look at his work of works of art and his albums and stuff. But if you look at his ripple, his ripple is David, is really where David Bowie is important. 
do you see where his influence has led a lot of people oh, yeah. to literally to today to right now there's so many people that still are influenced just by the fact that like ziggy stardust existed mm-hmm. you know just by the fact that uh david bowie uh you know was the goblin king stuff like that there's there's all these little and ripples the that has really Earth, made an right? impact yeah okay. like um you just consider even like even something as interesting as like prog rock like as a as a general concept like prog rock a lot of a lot of that feels very connected to david bowie's like concept like and they weren't concept albums to him as much as they were just he was doing his he was that thing. no he but became like, he became that, ziggy stardust it, he became the thin white duke he became them so they weren't yeah. like and then you have bands that are their concept they don't really change that much. Like someone like Coheed and Cambria, they're just Coheed and Cambria or Rush is Rush. But at the same Coheed time, they've taken on the, the, like their story. The, the story of the band is what guides everything. What is it? The Co- Coheed and Cambria, the, the new one, the dark, oh, the dark messenger. Dark sentencer. Oh, the dark, dark sentencer is so good. I don't know if you've like, yes. you guys can stop listening to Rantcast right now. Just YouTube just <laughs> oh it's so i was i was playing it for my friend who's like another huge like rock guy he loves like guitar and stuff like that and he's like he's like i can't fuck with that mm-hmm. falsetto i'm like dude you should learn to fuck with that falsetto because you're missing the guitar yeah. it's so good yeah, yeah yeah and uh welcome home is just one of the all-time great yeah. licks just like that freaking oh it's so good i love coheed and cambria mm-hmm. so much uh, but the, oh yeah coheed, sorry, sorry. coheed was my first real concert really? like I, I when I when I was like, he well I I'd, I'd been to other concerts but I remember like when it wasn't there was no parents around I went with my oldest brother and he was just like we drank before I felt like I was like you know I was going to a concert and this was it we went to go see Coheed and Cambria in L.A. and that was awesome it was like my favorite for that reason yeah yeah I I. I my first concert was like crappy garage band stuff. Um, you know, like mid, mid, late. But yeah, I, I did do that stuff. I did go to crappy garage bands and stuff, but I mean like first time I went to like a concert that was like purpose built at a theater with like, you know, my bosh pits and i was like oh shit like it's real yeah see i did a, a i see i lived in that like house show life a lot of the time my first real concert was nine inch nails right before it became the star suckers tour he was actually on tour okay. and then he picked up uh trent Reznor picked up marilyn manson as i recall and then like mm-hmm. a couple other acts and then it became the star suckers tool tour and at the time apc didn't have their their single out yet so okay. the perfect circle actually opened for for Nine Inch Nails, and I'm like, nice. is that fucking Maynard? And they had like sound <laughs> issues like the whole time. It took me like a whole calendar year until I realized I had seen a perfect circle live because. And you're like, not only did I see a perfect circle, a perfect circle is fucking Maynard from Tool. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Who's my... this band? I don't, I don't get it. I'm well, not sure I get it. And then you're like. Well, Hold on a second. Because Maynard only existed as a voice for me. And, like, the art for him, like, you'd see him with a mohawk or you'd see him with the long hair. But, like, he always seemed, like, larger than life. Maynard is a very tiny human. Mm. And so, like, I'm like, what's this, like, tiny, mm. long-haired human doing on stage and you can't really hear it? And, like, 
and, and then like I'm like, oh, oh shit, <laughs> like I would have I would have been way happier about that had I known at the time. Oh man, no, that's great. Welcome home. Then also, also that puts in perspective as well. You're like, is it really that good? If I if I needed it to be Maynard for it to be good. It was not a good con- that the open wasn't very good. It wasn't very strong. Uh, Trent slayed it though. Nine Inch Nails was amazing. He like he he wrecked half Trent the Reznor stage. Yeah, like Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails, like the Nine Inch Nails because they again they were having like sound issues going on mm-hmm. like but they corrected him by the time Nin was on and it was just this like this I it was like my whole heartbeat just changed to this like one steady like pounding throughout the whole concert and it was just like yeah. the adrenaline and then you could feel like i had this separate pulse going on in my wrist it was this insane <laughs> so he was good of course maynard did redeem himself i've seen apc once since at an outdoor concert but it was still good mm-hmm. i've seen pussifer every time so far because mm-hmm. <laughs> pussifer is classical like you're not going to listen to the music you're going to go watch a show so the first time uh one of the first times where they really really kind of settled in they did what was called the country boner tour and so like the half set the first the first set is them reimagining all their weird like prog rock music as country western songs and they're in character so he comes out as like jimmy Jimmy d with a cowboy hat and he's singing all the songs with a twang and stuff and it's like he has a country western version of queen b he's like roll those saddlebags and he's got like this country western thing (laughs) and there's cherry plenty is the girl who's singing with him and like he's just and then the second half it's just like face melting rock and i'm just like Whoa, it just like like it, i uh i don't know and the tool i've seen live once and he summoned a plague of locusts um it, okay they were mayflies but but we went to the concert it was play, yeah it was outdoors there was nothing uh after he finished anima like we were walking and you, the ground was crunching and you looked out it's just all the mayflies everywhere had like since come and died in like all around the area and i'm just like because right one of those concerts something oh like that thing so it was metal as hell. Yeah. I still think my favorite concert of all time ever, ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever, being side stage at Tenacious D. Tenacious. That was my favorite concert I've ever been to. Like, I would I would not take that one back. That one was absolutely sick. And, Tena- and, and Jack and Kyle are just funny as fuck. It's two for me. Um, put, uh, the third time I saw Pussifer, they were doing their... Um, uh, they were doing their uh, Lucha Libre set, which was fantastic. There was a narrative throughout the whole thing. They had a wrestling ring mm-hmm. in the stage. The opening <laughs> act was Lucha Libre wrestling. Oh, my God. Where, like, they came out Lucha, but there was, like, a whole, like, hokey story arc where they had to free the gringo. And the gringo is, of course, Maynard. And, like, so they're oh wrestling Ricky. It was, like, oh, yeah. my God. And, like, like we must free the gringo and shit. Oh, it's so good. Like, so it's, it's that. Flogging Molly. Uh, because it was the first concert. Oh, Flogging Molly was great. Uh, it, I'd seen Flogging Molly. This is the second time I'd seen Flogging Molly. The first time as a rowdy teenager uh, during the Tony Hawk Underground days, like or Tony Hawk Pro Skater, right? Like that. <laughs> yeah, they, Pro Skater. Yeah. When they got big, uh, what was it, the song played on there? Was what was it? Oh my gosh. Um, take a look. Uh, Drunken Lullabies. Drunken Lullabies was the tune played on it. Drunken Lullabies, not Seven Deadly Sins, but yeah. Yeah. So Drunken Lullabies. So it was, I saw them then. 
and then I saw them as like a you know uh, about to be thirty year old with my son Colin, who's like two or three. He was up on my shoulders, and to see mm-hmm. how that band had aged kind of with me, and like he had like mm-hmm. so I, I I'd heard um drunken lullabies as this like kind of angry like you know like song when i was younger and to hear the rendition when he was older as almost like the song of mourning like you know like mm. must it take you know was it all like for hurtful lies or must it take all life for hurt filled eyes to glisten mm-hmm. once again you're just like and it was this lament and i'm like oh and like so that was a really great concert because it was like this really interesting cross-section yeah between who i was different who i am and kind of the future with my son and then shaky graves he fucking rocks if you could ever see i don't know if shake graves gets down under often he's kind of post-punk you know single man act oh. type thing but he uh actually never heard of shaky graves uh check this out okay stop uh roll them bones by shaky graves where he's playing a kick drum and doing hammer on like guitar solo and like he's just like no human should be this skilled at the guitar and percussion at the same time. Like he's a goddamn busker and just you like a busker. Yeah, like I just that, shredded. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But he's a lot more refined and polished, but he's post punk firmly. He's a yeah. not a novelty act. Like he's just very, very talented artist. And so, so he's he's real good. Really, uh, really. Um, out of Austin, Texas, he's got a really. Um, he's in that weird like how punk has kind of started to go back to its like Woody Guthrie sort of uh like folky you know like genre it's like Mm. um you know like uh like the menzinger not the menzingers like um gaslight anthem and how they've all sort of like started to regress um so he's kind of in that vein where you look very bluesy very like he's got some prog stuff in there back yeah yeah pretty rocky um well there we go there's a rabbit hole for you that's a thing yeah (laughs) rabbit hole i was gonna say i i went to a concert like last year and it was like it was a metalcore concert. It was Architects, Polaris, and um, other UK band. And I came home and I was sore for probably like two weeks, from, like <laughs> being in a mosh pit and like all yeah, that I stuff. Know. And I was like, getting too old for this <laughs> I man. I don't fuck with like... the mosh pit anymore either. <laughs> for me, it I was wasn't like a... I wanted to do it because I was like, I got it. I, I want to do it. I'm getting older. I did it, and I was like, "Yep, I'm old. This needs to stop." Auschwitz, we'll leave that for the twenty-year-olds, still <laughs> dumb and ready to hurt themselves. Oh my gosh, it's it's weird because I, I I remember the one time like uh, went to uh, Deftones, which is like a fantastic mosh, like oh, like one of the best Auschwitz I've ever been. It was Deftones. I went to Deftones on this like, gosh, had to be like seven years ago now, and uh, you know, so I'm like in my late twenties. And I actually bought the like the VIP seating away from the mosh pit. <laughs> like and I'm like, this is like that's the progression. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like when you're younger, you buy the like the shittiest like ticket floor ticket you can, and just like yep. fight. In the go mosh in the pit. general. Yep, go in general and just start a mosh pit, and then like I'm not. Like, then now know. you're like, can I get the beer garden? Yeah, can I get please, the beer yeah, garden beer, ticket? Beer garden. Please. I'd like to be in the beer garden the yeah, whole time. Yeah, could I go sit like yeah. away from the stage, off to the corner, and like up a little bit? So that I could look down at the mosh pit and like drink down my beer, you know, like. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, those kids are having a great time. Yeah, look at that. Like, oh. Uh. Mm. <laughs> so, I remember that. <laughs> like, I used to be so angsty and then I go home and like, I just write the angstiest shit I've ever written in my life <laughs> in my 30s. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
it's it's weird because like I feel like when you're young, it's angst with a purpose. When you get older, it's just angst. <laughs> like, like, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Like it's it's funny because like you know when you're when you're a teenager and you're pissed off about something and you have like a dad or you have a grandpa or something like that, yeah, it's just like you don't even know what you're mad about right now. And then and then you get older and you're like. Oh, I fucking know what I'm mad about. <laughs> and now I get why they told me I didn't know what I was mad about yet. Yeah, man. No, it's beautiful. Uh, so I, when I like you watch that. a little kid crying, like, then you're like, oh, you don't even have a job yet, dude. Don't talk to me. Like, it's don't all, you cry. It's all relative. It is like you, you, you find the yeah. thing about pain is it like, it like it really never gets any smaller. You know, it's just always like it's pain is a constant. What happens mm-hmm. is you get bigger, you know, like, mm-hmm. so it's all, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But so the rock influence in the orcs was like a, a point of like sort of this personal yeah. uh, attachment type thing. Um, going yeah, and, the- I, and, I, and I wanted to pull different genres of metal into it too. So there's like sections of it that are more black metal than others. Other sections that are more like death metal-y and, yeah. and kind of then... Fury Road also pulls into that too. So I was like, oh, I really, you know, like aesthetically, I love Fury Road and wanted to throw that in there. So I made sure I included that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a fun thing for that reason. So, and then, so going into death, what's the inspiration you're pulling from? Because you mentioned we've, we've kind of covered that, like, okay, hey, um, you know, like death mm-hmm. was kind of always that resonant, that constant. We got ended up on this tangent talking about the Goblin yeah. King and the crossovers between orcs yeah, yeah. going into a show. It's like you kind of get like that just the light inspiration but death is you know kind of throughout them all death is deeper yeah much deeper and much more yeah yeah so what's the inspiration going into the man realistically obr in like if we if we pare it down we trim it all the way down to the very bottom it's actually interesting well at the end of the day it really is coming from the bible in a weird way because the main thing for me was to do the four horsemen I was like, it's it's re- it feels a little relevant because it's 2020, right? Like 2020, it's fucking <laughs> radical. It could be, you know, it could be a major change in the world after this, and who knows what it's going to look like and all that stuff. I was like, want to do something based around the four horsemen of the apocalypse? Like that's that's where I want to go, and um, you know, there's a there's an artist that I've well, there's a miniature artist that I've always, you know, when I moved to Australia, you know, we got to know each other a bit. You know, we've connected and done a few things, uh, especially when he was playing War Machine. That's Trent Innocent. And then when he took off and he started painting, I just like was always watching, following along what he was doing. And honestly, one of my favorite pieces that he did and one of my favorites, I think one of the, the main reasons it became my favorite is because I more than I think some of the other ones, I got to watch a little bit of his struggle with it. Mm. And there's this really beautiful model. I think it's by Michael. And I'm blank on his last name. Starts with a K. And it's the Four Horsemen. And it's this really amazing large-scale diorama. Like underneath it, there's like, you know, the ground. And you have like people that are like trying to reach up that are like lost souls. Um, a little Dante's Inferno-esque. Um. It's like Michael Constantinus or something, something along those lines for the company that makes it. Anyway, Trent's version of it 
I, I just remember watching him work on it and then like modify it, at least on like social medias and stuff. It, I just really liked that piece because of watching that process and watching that happen. And it's always been one of those things that stuck with me to the point of, as I've been getting more into painting and more focused on it, I actually at some point would love to get my hands on the full version of it because you can only right now you can only buy like the four separate horsemen, but there's the whole like diorama base too. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to get it. Maybe I'll just have to buy the four horsemen and make my base. Um, make your own base. Then I was like, I'd actually just really love to make a four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's playable on the, on the battlefield. I kind of thought, and I was like, I've, I've really liked OBR since it came out because I like never really liked skeletons as like, goofy little skeletons that's fair that's fair like skeletons is like empowered skeletons like yeah. in demand skeletons like let's go let's go to war skeletons not like this little not shambly like necromancer yeah it's like a like your friendly neighborhood necromancer just brought up a few skeletons to like go help him see like, i think like, that leave. is also cool thank you <laughs> i think that that's cool in like a Mordheim type game. Okay. If I'm throwing down on like a big battlefield Mythic, against like yeah, the dude. yeah, like the orc horde, I don't want like my little necromancer to be the the vanguard. I'd want him to be like, you go take care of that objective over there thing. Just keep an no, eye. I, on I it actually for get us. what you're saying. I think this is a great uh, case in point for for why Osiarch Bone Reapers, um, like should kind of exist here. Because necromancy, mm. just necromantic undead as it exists in like the L1 battle tome, uh, like not that I'm like knocking mm -hmm. on it. When you when you're talking about you know these orc hordes, when you're talking about gloomspite gits who are like like psychic mushroom empowered, like you know when you talk about stormcast eternal mm -hmm. and like all these all these really big Karadran overlords, all these really big lofty Age of Sigmar you know, fantasies, fantasy ideas, um, you know, like just basic undead mm. almost doesn't feel like it, it doesn't feel like it fits. And us, us here, Bone Reapers really are like skeletons took the TMNT super shredder serum and just like, gah, gah, and like now they're just <laughs> like, they have 12 yeah. souls. I would also posit that they're rather progressive in that like the gender, uh, the gender politics of the army is very interesting because you can have like non-binary yeah. and, uh, <laughs> like blended souls and stuff. So, and they're just skeletons, man. Yeah, they're like yeah. they're just skeletons. Yeah. You know, you, you can put whatever you want to on that skeleton. Yeah, yeah they can be anything. Literally um, anything. Yeah, whatever you want. And um, you know, I, and I think realistically is like when you look at what's probably the best example. I mean, you can kind of see it in something even just like Lord of the Rings, right? You look at um. Look at like how they dealt with Sauron. This might be a good one. Literally at the beginning of that of that first movie, you're like, and then you know throughout the movies you kind of see the way that they deal with most conflicts. It's like a small conflict having one necromancer with his skeletons might be good. It could be adequate if you're facing Sauron, the freaking like destroyer of the world, the wielder of the ring. You want stuff that's a little bit more weaponized. You want bone catapults. You want freaking like cavalry riders that could actually take a charge. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like you know well, I mean, even actually Saruman, charge and like do some damage and stuff saruman isn't isn't pleased with the existing you know like orc so he makes bigger orcs right like, <laughs> like that's the whole like premise i make better orcs yeah, yeah. let's the urukai are yeah, yeah the, the, are a great the, example the, of that the, yeah. like goblins suck uh, urukai mm-hmm. right right <laughs> that's, and that's it. That's the Osiak Bone, Bone Reavers are the Urukai of the Undead. Yeah, yeah. the no, perfect legit. blend of weaponization. No, it's it's legit. And so, so you're going into this like sort of like sweet biblical, um, the sweet biblical like four horsemen drop. We have like Catacross here. I've got him on his mount. You've got the chain work in there. Um, so he'll be conquest. So he'll be the white horse. Whole so, horse. Now. Yeah. so so Xantos Xantos is the the war, um, and then Catarcan, as I've been lovingly calling him, will be the horseman of conquest, the white horse, and then I'll do two liege cavaloses that will be um, famine and death. Cool. How are you gonna uh, are you gonna run this as like a like a you know? the legions and then catacros or do you like haven't even thought about the game aspect just the, like the sweet model aspect um so the way that i'm gonna run it is just as a as a double battalion stallion lords list yeah so two, so, two death lances um, yeah yep yep cool, cool. so basically it'd be like xantos with one a liege with the other i don't uh, i even though i'm making two lieges i'll probably never use more than two in a list at a time so it'll either be like two lieges or a legion of Xantos. Yeah, fair enough. Depending on how I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah, and you got the need for speed. Got to go fast and smash. So, mm-hmm. so it'll be a lot of fun. Um, so this this kind of um, I think I haven't even paid attention to the time. That's how you know it's a great episode. Um, <laughs> so it is, of course. We've oh, been at this right. Hour forty. Um, so it is, of course, uh, October, uh, my favorite month, uh, my favorite holiday mm. is Halloween, the 31st. Uh, Australia, do they have Halloween down there in the upside down? Do you do you do Halloween like anymore? Like barely. I mean, like if you think of like, I mean, they probably do this in Walmart in the States now, but it's like you go to the store and there's already all the all the Christmas decorations up. And there's like this one aisle of like Halloween stuff. You're like, okay, cool. That's Halloween. And then, like, I live in a pretty popular suburb, like a pretty like family oriented one. Mm-hmm. And even so, we maybe only get like five to ten families that trick or treat on like a good year, and we probably will get less this year. Yeah, obviously, COVID would be a a factor in that, which is is super super sad because like Death Armies and Four Horsemen, all that stuff's pretty like pretty metal and pretty Halloweeny to me. But we were talking about inspiration. And uh, see, I always blended them together. That's the problem with Christmas and Halloween. They have because of the way that I think the stores do it. I always just like as soon as it's Halloween time, it's just like Halloween Christmas time. Oh, I, I, you know, I love that so Christmas that, and all yeah. that. So it's always just like, yeah. sit in. Yeah, you're living that Jack Skellington life. But but you remember the moral of mm-hmm. the moral of Halloween is to like kind of like be happy with who you are and your sort of like you know your thing. And to keep Halloween separate mm-hmm. from Christmas, no, I, I'm just making it. That's true. And <laughs> and last night, last night we were actually watching Night Before Christmas with my daughter, and uh, 
she was so concerned where Santa was going and like what's happening to Santa. And where I was explaining to her, I was like, well, Santa, they're letting Santa have a break. Jack Skellington could be Santa. Oh, why? And I was like, because Santa has to do it every year. Oh, okay. And then she's like, but no, why is Santa not at Christmas? And I was like, they've already, this is so, it's so figured out already. They know that it's supposed to be Christmas time. You know, it's supposed to be Santa, all this stuff. Uh, But yeah, it's like, that's supposed to be separate. But I think, I think the other important moral that comes out of, um, that comes out of Nightmare Before Christmas is that uh, when you do mix the two, it looks pretty sweet. Yeah, like it looks sweet as hell. And um, like, um, you know, you can find true love in the coolest holiday, which is Halloween, um, which is my anniversary. (laughs) Mm. Um, uh, It's 10 years for me and Lulu on Halloween. That's when we uh, had our first date, essentially our first kiss. Um, Ooh, so Halloween, yeah, Halloween, a lot of good stuff. Uh, but so, so going to this sort of like drawing inspiration from anywhere, I wanted I to do a. Uh, I start. Go ahead. Just started dating my wife in October, but not Halloween. See, it's cool. See, it's cool as Halloween. I started dating her at the beginning of October, but it was really sad because we had to leave each other right after that. That first hit it off type moment. October's a sweet month. I do it. Yeah, October's pretty sweet. Um, so I guess like the, like the only thing that's sad about October now is that it's spring instead of fall. That sucks. See, I like that. Like all the leaves get pretty like changing and, and they start to die, and like I think that's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> like I'm such an edge lord. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I, think, I um, like I don't wear as much dark clothing anymore. I haven't painted my nails in a uh, black in a long time. I haven't rocked any like, uh, you know, dark eyeliner or anything. But uh, I am every bit of like an edge lordy golf on the inside. Oh <laughs> uh, man! <laughs> my wife and my wedding anniversary is no. Yeah, okay, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Finding. I'm sorry. What? So inspiration for your army. No, Tell no, me I, about it. Let's talk this. No, no, I, there's, there's a. a, a We're one, an hour and forty five minutes into this. No, we'll no, this is, this is the secret topic. Only the real Rantcast guests and the, or only the real Rantcast fans and the true chat gang sticks around for like the two hour mark. That's why we wait for the real topic until the two hour. We weed out all of the week. We call them with talking about <laughs> actually Age of Sigmar, and sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh. No, I, I, so I've actually had a problem. Like this, this is, uh, you can, you can take the man out the edgelord, but you can't take the edgelord out of the man, <laughs> I guess. It was like, like, I, I really have been running back the tape lately. Cause like there was that, that, that period of time where like, I hated emos because like, I was like a, I consider myself like a real, like a real punk quote unquote, or like a, cause, uh, my click we were the oh, yeah. we were the dirty boots quote unquote the boots because it was like a lot of us were like some for, like doc martin or, or like a yeah, yeah. army navy surplus like jump boots yeah, like we listen to tool and nails and kmfdm yeah a lot of kmfdm yeah wump scott skinny puppy like um you know and then like the the clash was big and any like the weird like sort of proggy you know stuff not so much the cure none of that stuff really they was put, in our 
you put a misfits uh yes you put, yeah the on, the, on the hoodie with, on the back of the jacket yes, with the fucking with the uh, safety pins or uh yep you just like pin it on it like unless you, unless you get your mom who had the sewing machine to chuck it on no. there for you for real no 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 real oh, no no wait it's way too sellout way too poser admit to the misfits hold up it's got to be duct tape and it's got to be duct tape or or safety pins anything else best is when you have the duct tape and then it like the girlfriend sewed through the duct tape to have it, it so it was duct tape and cloth pads on the back after a while okay that's pretty metal i i accept this yeah no my uh, or my... when the girlfriend hand stitches it when you get the hand stitched like uh it's like purple thread on a black jacket because that's just well, what she had well that's your battle armor right like you you get the hoodie and or like and or like denim vest from goodwill and you stitch the shit like you just get all the patches mm-hmm. and all the stuff on it yeah no, so so I wasn't like I, my my musical taste. You get those little rivet spikes all over your shoulders. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, chains. It was more chains than than like rivet spikes because those are hard, man. Like, but chains yeah. you could throw anywhere. Um, cool. So it's just like uh, so I was just a little bit older than the emo and the scene kid and stuff like that. So like I really hated emos, and then Twilight mm-hmm. happened, and so for a long time I had to shy away from the edge lord. I'm like. Ew, edge lords, and then like I made fun of them all, and they're just running back the tape, and I'm like, okay, Jack Skellington, like Edward Scissorhands, like going through like a uh, really big fan of of the Vampire Lestat and va- interview with the vampire. Castlevania was my favorite game at the time. Been, like you know, Labyrinth, yeah, Labyrinth, La- Labyrinth, David Bowie, David Bowie oh, even that's like, a my bit. huge crush on David Bowie. Oh, edge lord. I'm like, I'm like, oh. I might be an edgelord. <laughs> like, like, it's it's liberating to realize that you loved all that awesome shit. And, like, and getting rid of the, the notion of, like, bandwagon versus someone is worthy or not worthy to be in a fandom or an interest. Or, or these kids listening to their whiny music. I listened to the cooler whiny music before them. It just had more noises because it was industrial or something like that. Oh man! Yeah, I just I did whatever I could to shed as many labels as possible as quickly as possible. I basically just became like a stoner art kid in school, so that way I could just literally get away with whatever I wanted to do. It was like I wasn't a goth, I wasn't a this or that, but I listened to Depeche Mode sometimes, listened to Tool other times, listened to fucking death metal other times, Black Sabbath, whatever, and I could get away with it. I was just a stoner fucking art kid. I would be tucked away painting in the art lab or whatever. And we'd be listening to fucking paranoid or something, you know, it'd just be, it'd just be what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. No rage was rage was in there. Cause rage was like super, you know, like it was angry. It was loud. Yeah, right. Fuck the man. Like, um, yeah, yeah. I, I just, man, I, I remember all the evil empire shirts that like my buddy would wear. Um, Corbin was his name. And he'd wear those with the uh, with the jinkos and like and then he'd have the uh, freaking army navy oh gosh. jump boots and like one side of the jinkos would be ripped all the, the way jinkos to, yeah they'd be ripped all the way to shit and then he'd just have them safety pinned back together with chains and stuff and I'm like you are the coolest guy ever Corbin um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah like that's the thing is like they would have the friends with the lip service vinyl pants. Like the super tight ones, like the super. Yeah, I super had those. Tight ones. Those I had a couple fr- friends like that. Um, I uh, I really liked pants with like 
uh, chains and or straps on them. So I had a couple pairs like that myself and like mm -hmm. uh, jeans that I would, I would again, put the chains on cause chains are easy. You just chains on anything. Um, <clears throat> All you need is like an eye hole here and an eye hole. There. But also so, if you like, also if you like final fantasy seven, or eight or final fantasy seven or eight you're like you're like belts and chains oh, final fantasy eight right you just yeah. want to be squall yeah you, who doesn't want to be squall yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh man uh no so, so i actually uh got a my confession wasn't that um wasn't that uh i might have secretly been an edgelord the whole time and i just didn't know it yet because i thought it was way more hardcore um <laughs> it was the um i kind of like ran out of inspiration one time at one time. I ran out of inspiration at the beginning of this year. Um, I'm just like, I knew where I wanted to go with my art, and I knew what I wanted to do. And you touched on this a little bit, where you were you were kind of doing the Warcraft orcs, and then you're like, wait a second, and you found like the metal stuff that kind of reignited your passion. And I think this is what we've been kind of getting around, um, is you kind of got to like refill your inspiration from time to time, right? For you, you went back to metal. Um, you know... Um, for me, it's like embrace it. you. It's all finding things that you like. Yeah, finding finding things that you like. I love that we've got this sub sub conversation about all the emo music that everyone likes and didn't admit to liking when they were younger. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, who's the one that oh, uh, does a, a six set Gloria? Um and uh, DeGauzer and uh, I hear you, uh, but my Tommy Dunn don't. I hear you, but my Tommy gun don't or whatever it is. Uh, they're actually awesome. I just chalked them off as one of those, like those like lame okay. emo bands when I was younger. I'm like, Oh, I can't listen to this. They're not hardcore enough. I've been listening to them a lot lately. I'm like, Oh wow. This shit's pretty good. Like, yeah. Um, rise against is pretty great. Like they're from that same era. Like they're pretty awesome actually. Um, so yeah, sorry. Just I'm listening sorry. To a lot of rancid. Ran well, that's, Rancid's the good, but Rancid's the good stuff. That was the acceptable. Yeah. You know, that's Misfits. That's stuff, Dead yeah. Dead Kennedys. You know, the Drop Kip Murphys. Like that's from that era that was more acceptable. Um, yeah, but then if you're listening to like Dashboard Confessional and like Elliot Smith, I was that's like the deep emo stuff. Right, right. Well, I mean, there was a time where like Weezer was considered emo because they. Um, but Dashboard Confessional, mm -hmm. I actually had notes written in for a different episode I was going to uh, – uh, I'm uh, doing an episode later. I'm, uh, it's called Punk Rock AOS. Um, I actually wrote notes about Dashboard oh. Confessional um, because Dashboard Confessional – and so this will be a second time. For those of you that listen to that episode next in November, um, it, it, the uh, Dashboard Confessional was called that because he wrote his songs literally at his dashboard living in his damn car – doing that like horrible horrible yeah, yeah. touring life that like one of those you haven't made it and nobody knows who the fuck you are sort of things and it's like you kind of got to respect yeah. it even if he was kind of whiny and turpentine kisses is or a turpentine chaser is still a badass song i don't care how whiny it is okay <laughs> yeah um and then and then when you start to get into the ones that are actually really really emo but they were they're more accepted and you realize that, like, if you listen to their lyrics, they're probably even further down the, the rabbit hole than Dashboard Confessional. It's just that their music doesn't sound it as much. So, like, when you get into, like, the Alkaline trios and, like, Bayside and stuff. Be careful. The actual music, yeah. actual music is super, like, that. the oh, lyrics yeah, the three chord, like, way, way more emo, way more darker. Like, 
than dashboard confessional. Well, see, now you're talking way more you go ahead. listenable. You're, see, you're talking about like, well, because the three chord, like, sort of aggressive, like, sort of classic. Alkaline Trio is one of my favorite bands. Um, like, Radio is, isn't it the best breakup song ever? Yeah. <laughs> and the lyrics are just like, just like, go throw the radio, like, in the bathtub with yourself. Like, <laughs> like it's so aggressive. Um, um, my best breakup song is still, is still Dear Tragedy from Bayside. It's still my favorite breakup song. I'll listen. I'll listen to that, and I'll think about old breakups that I had. Uh, and the uh, best part about that one is just the part where it's like, I'll grab your head by your hair, and I'll hack it off and place it on display in the front of my yard with a little pink bow and a sign that says your friends and family should have taught you more about love. Oof, that's brutal. Um, my, <laughs> I don't remember a breakup song, but San Francisco by Alkaline Trio was one, like, during a particular bad breakup where I really, like, that song just like spoke to me it was all like uh we started out like dating uh you know went to the same school and i moved and then we were long distance and it was like and it was just like the worst breakup ever and san francisco and the uh and i was drinking you goodbye like uh heart floats in the bay from sour home chicago like it just like this is like ah like oh yeah you get me out of uh, my trio <laughs> you're like, gonna... i used to and i remember there was another one too uh jake on green beers i remember we used to drink we used to drink to that a lot and um i, I definitely remember listening to that after breakups and being like i'm gonna fucking forget the shit out of this chick well so there's um uh so razor tree you bring up another band that was actually cool to like in my circle of friends which is typo negative um and oh, peter, yeah. peter Steele uh was the first porn penis i ever saw was was peter Steele's. so there's a little math trivia for you because he did a playgirl spread or whatever one of my uh one of my friends uh she was obsessed with him and she's like hey andrew (laughs) and i'm just like like, i'm like that is a penis (laughs) like like in the (laughs) it super depends on context context but like I just imagine this happening at like high school or something it was, like that. Yeah, like, no, it totally was. Like it was right. It was between classes, and so I had one of those friends who just like would hand out like um. She was awesome as hell. Um, she would hand out like uh like she like she if she went to the hospital she would like get all the pamphlets and the brochures of like if you think you have problems and she went to a super Christian uh a super Christian hospital because her mom was like crazy born again Christian you know so it was like you yeah. know, like don't masturbate Jesus is watching you type thing. Yeah, 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 and yeah. She yeah. would just walk up to people and just like hand them like "Don't masturbate." Jesus is watching you. Pamphlets she grabbed, <laughs> and she's so just like, "Hey, Andrew, pow!" And I'm just like, "Uh, like what is?" It? It's always, ah, oh, man, that was that was. Thanks. <laughs> My mom loved that spread. No joke. A pair. Oh, yeah, and I remember it. I have the, the one image where he's on his knees, emblazoned in my mind. It's literally still burning your. I can see it. I see it right now. <laughs> Get a little tracers. Like we'll just say that. Like so, some people like so. When you're, you're taught proper singing technique. You're sort of taught to sing from the chest and open up and sing from use the diaphragm. He uses his penis. That's why his his voice is so deep. <laughs> <laughs> Like they, I, I'm convinced that they, the bone tithe nexus is based on on that spread from Playgirl. Oh my God! You're welcome, everybody. Oh. You're welcome. What was it? What was it? I, 
I uh, so like a friend of mine had given it, me. It is the 69th Nexus. episode. Yeah. We had to have a little toilet humor or a little. Uh, yeah, we had to we had to throw it in there. A little, little, little of that type of humor in there. All right. <laughs> and I ended up having like he he painted the main dude and then lost it, but he gave me the rest of the bone tied nexus, and so I didn't have the middle part. And I like I posted a thing on Twitter, and uh, this hobby bear that that sent it to me, and like gave me the dimensions, and someone like responded with like the little gif of like that's a penis, like touche. I wonder how that would go over, actually, if I just got a fat dildo and just stuck that to the middle probably of my bone tied nexus and put that probably, on the table. Probably not. Well, I think Age of Sigmar is supposed to be somewhat family friendly. <laughs> I, am, oh I am not. Holy shit. Yeah. I need to. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Are you fucking ready for okay, this? Okay. I'm ready for this. I got this shit. Okay. This is, this is the next goddamn hobby project. And this is going to be the shit. Okay. So we're going to buy. A Gargant army, and we're going to recast all of the Gargants. We're going to buy them. We'll buy as many as we need to have. We're going to recast the Gargants all in flesh feel silicone. So we basically just have, like, basically Gargant dildos on the table. Oh, my God. That's such a... And they'll just have, like, a little bit of Bowie floppiness. So you're like... <laughs> and when, you, when you move your Gargant, it, like, has, like, a little, like... Jiggle the, the wobble, like, like, uh, like, like ditto for uh, the freaking Pokemon, just like, <laughs> God damn it. oh man, like this is now a wobbly gargant army. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. This is now a Slanesh episode. What am I? <laughs> you can also use the gargants in the bedroom, yeah. There you go, dual purpose. Uh, cuz, yeah, yeah, <laughs> gives a new meaning to gate wrecker, huh? Huh? Hey. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, oh, okay. All right. 69th episode chicanery. We're we're done like now. Home record. I... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, you need to re yeah, so okay. so sometimes uh running out of inspiration, you can draw inspiration from anything. And uh, you know, Pete Steele's is great, uh, from typo negative, but what I was going to do <laughs> is talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween movies, because it is Halloween. Uh, so I was going to talk about scary movies and armies uh, that can be inspired by, um, you know, like some horror movies and stuff like that. And this this actually kind of came to me when I was watching uh, The Ritual on Netflix. Uh, actually, in September, we started our scary movie marathon, Lulu and I, uh, last month. Um, and uh, The Monster in the Ritual. Seriously, go check it out. Like, what? A, oh, that's a great fl- It's a really good flick. I love a good creature feature where it's like, you know, like the scary monster thing is like awesome. And this one blends a little bit of like paganism, like scary possession-y stuff, which is like its own sort of subgenre of horror. But the monster in it, like I saw that and I'm like, that would be the coolest, spookiest, like Sylvaneth army ever. If you just like, so, so this is where this idea kind of sprang to me is like, is, is, you draw inspiration wherever you can, whether it's, it's, you know, rock and roll or, or your own sort of like personal journey, whatever it is. Um, uh, and I think horror movies uh, for like models is actually like a pretty cool, uh, like a, like a pretty cool place, like where you could sort of tap some artistic inspiration. Um, the, uh, like, I, I know that you had a, like a, a top three list. And if you can, maybe vamp for a little bit or have chat gang ask some questions because i've needed to clean up a spill for a while and i'm watching it slowly drift towards my computer 
<laughs> I've used yeah. it. Made a partition with my notebook, um, but it's gonna get there. <laughs> yeah, no, it... So, so I uh, Sylvaneth uh, and uh, and what? Oh God! Literally talk yeah. about whatever and, you want. And and just <laughs> all right. No worries. You handle your shit, bro. All right. Um. And so I think what's interesting is like when you do have the capability to to look at something that you're into and actually apply it to an army, uh, you. You have to find ways to just not limit yourself at the same time. Um, you know, one thing that uh, Andrew and I had talked about was like the concept of you know taking something that seemingly is like you know, like it doesn't add A to B, but then you could make an army or at least get inspired to make an army that really fits together. Um, so like heavy metal orcs, that's kind of like. It makes sense on a level because you have like really primal sort of similar sort of wavelength, I guess, and they kind of meet up. Um, then, you know, if you want to go real wild, you know, you start to look at something and you're like really into Pan's Labyrinth. You know, like, how do I take Pan's Labyrinth? And, you know, like directly, we might go to like a Wood Elf army. Uh, but then you could also, you know, you could step into maybe Death and OBR and like, this sort of um you know you could do something like a catacross that's based on uh, a satyr and like a pan's labyrinth sort of feel and you just have to take like a little bit of bits and a little bit of work in there and then you know maybe you make uh you could start to make your your cavalos death riders into satyrs and then you you know you have the top half of like a skeleton body and the bottom half would be you know the horseback or whatever um yeah so like don't limit yourself on things that just add a to b like it's really important to look outside of it and another one that i i said to him and like in jest but there's a lot of things that you could do with it would be like you know you could take looms by it gets and almost anything where there's like a lot of something you could make it work so you know you could have shit if you want to get real crazy with it, you can have like a gloom spike gets army where all the gets are like little like fruits and vegetables and they have like little arms and they're like just like a horde of little turnips and carrots and watermelons or you know whatever like sort of random stuff or actually you save all the little stuff for that and then you have like a mangler squid like a, a watermelon monster thing and uh yeah you just like it's really important to have fun with this stuff. And it, it's, it is about what you're into. Like if you do something where you want to make a gloom spike gets army, that's vegetables. You got to be really into vegetables. Otherwise that shit is going to suck. Like it's going to get so hard to get past that first squad of gets. When you start talking about 20 different dudes, if every time you got to like in stuff, a turnip, and then put arms and legs on it for it to be a stabba, and then you gotta do this, and you gotta do that. Like you really want to just like gotta have something you're super passionate about. So you know, if you if you are really into you know a, a book series, and you want to make like a, say that you're into like the first law series by Joe Abercrombie, and you want to make like a, a Degoska based Cities of Sigmar, well, if you're really into the first law and you're really into like Tagaska and you're really into everything about that and you want to have like a 
Arch Inquisitor Glockta model is like, you know, one of your dudes and you want to have like, you want to really build it up and have it be thematic in that way. If you love it, you'll do it. If you don't, it's going to suck. But you'll be able to find that these things, you can just take little bits and pieces too. Like you don't have to fully scratch build everything. You can always just take like, you take the inherent like information that's on these models and you convert them in ways where it keeps a little bit of the, the original model and just adds to it. Like even with like my OBR stuff, I'm just adding to the aesthetic of OBR because I like OBR as it is. I'm just making it fit my scheme a little bit more with like head swaps and weapon swaps and, and small kit bashes and stuff. And I'll do a little bit more maybe on the HQ. But then for like the random guy, I don't really want to do more than like a head swap to get through an entire army. It's one model, it's fine. But when you start talking about 30 or 40 models, you just want to do little stuff to make it happen. Well, what's interesting is this kind of goes back, back from to... a spill. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, I'm actually like really proud. So you can see here this yellow note uh, composition notebook. It says RC. This has been the Rantcast notebook. I have lied the entire uh, over a year of content about how I don't take notes at all. Uh, rip, it took us 69 episodes. Um, I'm very – I'm proud of Ooh, you. Snap. This is uh, this will go on my uh, OnlyFans uh, merch page. Uh, it'll sell the S69 spill book. Uh, you can see all my weird doodles and stuff. Um, no. <laughs> um i'm ready i'm ready to start a new uh we should start a new website that's called only cans actually it's just videos of us uh talking and drinking beer and it's like if you miss going to the pub because you're in lockdown you can just go on our only cans account and watch us i love that let's do that let's do that let's make that happen um no i I think this goes back to a little bit of like what you were talking about how like when you'd look at the canvas you just like put you'd you'd put it on there or when you grab a model it would kind of conform to what you're already doing like you're working with the model's aesthetic there. So one of the things that I have a hard time reconciling is converting a model that I actually already love the aesthetic of to my own personality. And I feel like you've really kind of nailed how that works. You know, like you're taking something that's already a little bit of an expression of you and you're just kind of cranking it up a little bit or pushing it in a direction uh, to kind of fulfill your vision. Um. Yeah, I think I think the important part is understanding what parts of the model you want or that you like and you would want to keep regardless. And then you like Occam's razor your way through the model and you go, what could go and what could stay? Or what could go and what could stay? And by the end of it, you'll be like, okay, so actually if I just basically have this section of the model that can do whatever I want to with weapon, maybe um, you know, some armor, maybe the head swap, like that stuff, then now you've got your basis for your conversions. Like with Catacros, I'm like, well, I want most of Catacros because I like that imposing sort of armor feel, but I could mess with the head a bit or head swap it. I could mess with the weapon a bit or weapon swap it. And the cape, I just need to make work with the situation. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where I've gone with that. No, oh, all right, right on, right on. Um... So we got chat gang here chiming in on like army inspirations and stuff. Uh, uh, you are correct, Razor Tree. If I was ever going to have an overflowing spill, it is this episode. You're right. This is the one. We only get to make these jokes once, folks. I'm glad it took us until uh, two hours to get there. 
Uh, so, you know, we kind of edged it along. Um, okay, damn pans would be so good as an army influence. Uh, Nagash, but from Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, I actually have Pan's Labyrinth here as a Beast of Chaos inspiration. Um, think of that sort of like weird Ooh, sort see, of... See, I was like, saying what you could do with Pan's Labyrinth... Yeah, go ahead. ...would be death. I was like, you could do some weird stuff with death where you have, you know... Catacross could be a satyr. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your your cavalry death riders could be uh, satyrs as well, and that would be your cavalry. You could do some crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. See, I, I, I uh, taking beasts of chaos and making them that other otherworldly horror, I think would be really cool. Um, uh, Kicker says, "What would Nagash from Pans be like? What, what how would you?" How do you think you get that across? I would the most iconic thing for me from Pan's Labyrinth is the uh, the guy who eats the fairies, you know, with like the the no eyes and like the like go in the palms of his hands like that. Mm-hmm. I would find a way to have this like sort of looming, like sort of tall, thin, like eyeless thing with these like hands that come up with the fairies fleeing away from his base instead of like the swirling ghosts around him. I think that's the direction I would go with that. Because that's the for me yeah. that's the iconic. I think the biggest challenge too is whether you stick with Games Workshop models or whether you go outside of Games Workshop models for this. If I stayed within Games Workshop models, it would just be a lot of studying. I would just study a lot of various models and try and get to that point. If it was outside of Games Workshop, I think there's a few few pieces that'd be good. Especially like there's a few Kingdom Death models that you could start that process quite well with. Or actually, the creature caster death elemental would be the good beginning of a Nagash. If you want to go down, down the Pan's Labyrinth line, but keep it Nagashi. Mm. No, then you good. just kind of like head swap and do a little bit more. For for in AOS, I think you'd you'd, you'd lean heavily on Zinch to, to get across the sort of Pan's Labyrinth thing. I think that's that's where I would go. Yeah. Um, so I like yeah, that. Zinch and Beast of Chaos for sure. The bodies in, in both of those. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I think really it's about getting across like the, the the tones. Like I would want that sort of ethereal dark paint scheme, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, going through yeah. it. And a lot of and a lot of pulling off a good conversion is good paints painting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pull off almost anything and like give it the right vibe if you paint it the right way. So uh, we both have one for IDK. Um, you wanna go ahead and say what your kind of concept mm-hmm. is for IDK? Man, my concept for IDK is upon uh, just the idea that we, if we're going off of our favorite horror movie or horror movies, I think the most straightforward one would just be. I think you're about to, you're cutting out a little bit. Uh, there's that upside down internet. Um, I'll wait for him to come back. We've got to buffer and catch back up with us. Um. We lost audio completely. I can't hear you. Um, we're probably about to lose him there. Uh, sorry about that, everybody. Maybe. Hey, there you go. You're back now. Sorry. You said the way to go yeah. with that would be and like held us in utter suspense. And I think they heard the da nut na nut in the background. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Because then you just you hit go and you buy a bunch of sharks. Actually, maybe you don't buy a bunch of sharks. You go with Jaws. And what I actually think that you would do with Jaws to make it even better 
is uh, you would have like you'd actually do like a turtle size shark and you actually played as the turtle instead of having all the little sharks and then you have like a big ass like turtle size shark I agree and then you can have like some namartis that are actually just like little uh, beach goers and then you maybe have like some of the shark guys but they're actually in skiffs and they're like hunting down the shark yeah so the eels are actually like in the in like the skidoos you know or whatever uh hunting down the shark yeah 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 that's cool that's yeah. fun um but you always have to send the shark like all the way out to the front you just like you shoot him you just, or sorry the turtle send yeah. the turtle all the way down the <laughs> yeah yeah that could be a lot of fun you could even have like the boats be like the the sh- like a shark fin coming out the water instead you know um on either side um oh yeah yeah, yeah. yep yeah uh mine for idk was instead actually... of eels they're actually just riding big shark fins there you go hey. yeah uh so so my inspiration uh my for idk was actually jeepers creepers uh which is a fantastic horror flick if you haven't seen it um just kind of it it, it exists in that weird renaissance in like the early 2000s horror where horror was coming back into the zeitgeist because i mean horror exists in these these weird sort of um the best horror almost always follows uh times of true tumult in reality because horror is essentially a dark mirror of reality that's that's what it is um you know night of the living dead is uh, about racial tension you know like there's uh you know essentially it's about racial tension in the south we always we always tend to follow stuff like that um, you know, I would posit that 28 days later is heavily regarding sort of like war and invasion of the sort of resurgence, uh, you know, war in, uh, in the Middle East there. Um, so like horror tends to be a dark mirror of what's going on in reality. And in the early 2000s, you had this one generation of filmmakers essentially finally getting to where they were allowed to make films that were reflecting on a bunch of the stuff that had bugged them for a while. So we got a huge shotgun blast of of uh of horror in the early 2000s and jeepers creepers is one of those ones that kind of like hit the mainstream because of the cast people hated in the mainstream horror fans hated it because it was mainstream and so it just slipped between the cracks on two levels but if you go i I think if you go back and you watch it's actually pretty awesome pretty haunting good creature again i love creature features i love a good creature feature but the big reveal I wouldn't spoil it too much, but the Jeeper Creature monster, monster almost has this, the Creeper as it's called, actually almost has this like Creature from the Black Lagoon vibe to it. And so I think that that's like a really yeah, good totally. inspiration for, for Ideneth Deepkin. Like a, go like full on Creature from the Black Lagoon, get the like the webbed, you know, like I think this is a green stuff, pro- stuff project because the Namartis already have this sort of like finned and fanned ears. They already have like that, the Lagoony, mm-hmm. the thing. And I think you're just, you're green stuff in that. Yeah. Be a rad Nurgle army too. Rad Nurgle? Yeah. 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 You could do you could do a lot of that like I mean you you could probably push it more towards like the decayed weird side but you could like like a, a either like a great unclean one or you do it as like a Nurgle based beast of chaos army. Mm-hmm. And they all have like weird fin things coming out and yeah. big gilly like face thing that he's got and all that. Yeah. Like both of these. 
Yeah, that's that's cool. First part about this is going to be walking away, not doing all these armies. <laughs> the point is, we're inspired. We're filling up everyone's inspiration in the community. Um, Fluke Skywalker has yes, a great one. Yes, Dremlin gets. Like, yep. Dremlin gets. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, gets gets. Honestly, is like this barrel of potential that. I just don't, I don't think that enough people are tapping into because maybe they just don't want to play well, a shit ton of the gets. Well, but because there's a lot I, of options. I I think it has to do because the core aesthetic of that army is one that you don't want to touch. It's like me with Ossiarch Bone Reapers. I'm like I already love most of this. Mm. And I'm like, how do I change this and make it better? I think Gits has that going on too because like the fungoid thing, it's so good already. Like the Trogoths are gorgeous models, mm. and we're about to see a lot more of them, more of them because of the the battalion. Um. But how do you, like, how do you touch that and make it your own? Well, with a really strong personal inspiration, right? So Gitz is one of those, like, those armies that it's like the opposite of ghouls, the opposite of Flesh Eater Quartz. Flesh Eater Quartz is a very blank canvas army. It's begging to be modified. Gitz is like, oh, this is a very busy canvas. Mm -hmm. How do I make this mine? And I think that's part of the problem. Uh, Fluke Skywalker. Yeah, and, and I don't want to get rid of all these cool features of these cool models. Right, right. Uh, Fluke Skywalker Walker with another one says, I think the, the low-hanging fruit is the Walking Dead-themed zombie list uh, for LON. I will see your low-hanging fruit and one-up mm -hmm. your low-hanging fruit with Army of Darkness LON. So, like, actually have, like, the Necromancer B, <laughs> Ash, from, from like, with the chainsaw arm and stuff yeah. like that, like, kind of pointing at the zombies mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. So I think that one's pretty cool. But you talked about like the untapped potential of Gits. You had a suggestion regarding Gits, and this actually ties into the Gremlins. Yeah, this ties into the Gremlin Gits. So Gremlin Gits, Gremlins is of course a Christmas movie, right? Um, so yes. I, what's yes. what's the best Christmas movie? Is it is it Gremlins or is it Die Hard? Which one's the better one? Gremlins and Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. Which is the better of the two Christmas movies that are objectively Christmas movies? <laughs> I can't even decide. Gremlins. Gremlins. Yeah. Gremlins is the better of those two. I want. I want to plead the fifth and, and pick another option, but I'll say Gremlins. Gremlins gotta, between gotta, Gremlins and Die Hard. I pick yeah, Gremlins. Yeah. So you could do your Gremlin Gloom Spike Gits and actually like Christmas theme them up. Um, what was your suggestion for 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 Gloom Spike Gits? I remember for Christmas, Gloom Spike gets. Let's do this. Yeah, just have a bunch of little presents and those weird little like animal things as being all your gets, and then you just like for the uh, for all the man or for all the squigs that you have, you just turn them into pumpkins. You can have like little pumpkin riders, and then the pumpkin riders could be like kind of jazzed up a little bit. You could even keep them be goblins, and you could like do like a Nightmare Before Christmas labyrinth. Gloom Spike gets. Mm. So you do the double the double theme blended together to make your end product. Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I especially like the uh, the pumpkin like uh, squigs. I think that that'd be really cool. Maya, my gloom spike hmm. get or Maya, Maya, nightmare before Christmas. Next one. My my nightmare before Christmas yep. one would be actually Nurgle. I think like an oogie boogie. Oogie boogie. Yeah, oogie boogie. Um. Uh, uh, great, great unclean one. I think would be one of the coolest things ever. Uh, you can have like one of the yeah. plague bear or the plague bear is practically already look like one of the trick or treaters. 
And so you can have like the like the plague bearers being like the trick or treaters and stuff like that, and then have your like plague bearers be like some of the bigger, more prominent figures, like the uh, like there's the clown on the unicycle, or, or have them be like the all the worms that come out of Oogie Boogie, mm-hmm. be like the some of your plague bearers, some of your nerglings and stuff like that too, like nergling packs, oh, be yeah. like little worms coming out yeah. of Oogie Boogie. Yeah, you have the little wormies. Uh, do up the uh, do up the uh, the gnarl maws like the uh, the way that they do the trees in the hills in nightmare before christmas because they're super spindly and like a lot of spirals and stuff like that i uh, see i think that would be a stunning army to see or you go all in on the oogie boogie thing and you make the trees be like the roulette wheels and stuff like that and so you have it be like the inside of oogie boogie's place and you have it do like the blacklight themed coloring on all the stuff and you do like that as your theme for your whole army all with the paint scheme and everything with the blacklight like sort of effect right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I mean that that would be an awesome. Oh, so go like like glowing fluoro colors and stuff. <laughs> um, my favorite Nurgle is Candy Nurgle. <laughs> um, oh, I'll be one more time. He Man themed Death Army Skeletor and Agash. Too easy. Love Die Hard. Well, the Die Hard dude said that it's not a Christmas movie. Uh, the Die Hard dude was wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm making frost orcs for my bone splitters with ice weapons, says Dreamer. I dig it. I dig it. Ice theme's uh, one of those, like, uh, like sort of, like, really competent, like, good sort of, like, cla- like good sort of approachable themes that you can really, really execute really, really well. Um, so... Especially on bone splitters, I think, because their weapons are stone or ice. Relatively easy swap. Which is what it's just one of those things that depends on how you paint it on how how it plays out. So I've got a a couple more on my uh, just two more on my list. Do you have any any more? Kind of snaking through there. Man, I can. Man, I could bloody sit here all day and come up with thoughts. But that would be really creepy. It'd be like, like um. Like the Annabelle style or like the Saw style face doll, like where it's got like the little the, the cheeks and like you do all that. Um, I'm just trying to think of what would be actually the best army for that. I was thinking maybe Karadran Overlords because they all have those like metallic ish faces already. And you just chuck that sort of like creepy doll face on top of what they've already got. When you, you've got the, um, you'd have to get rid of so you, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, then you just have like creepy doll dwarves. You um, could have like a puppeteer that's controlling them all. Creepy doll dwarves. I like that. Like a, I mean, get it more in the the saw sort of a the genre. I refer to it as torture porn. Um, that's your saw hostel. <laughs> um, that stupid walrus movie Kevin Smith did. Um, not quite full body. I guess body horror is is a different genre. Um. But like yeah, go like you could go like like really hard with it like the sort of torture porn, um like KO actually like the saw the like get some like the, of those well, can- their weapons become like they already have like needles and syringes yeah needles and syringes yeah. and stuff yeah like you could really go hard at, on that um so what was, the- that? What was that game you remember a video game where it was like I think Rockstar made it and you were like sneaking through during uh and it was actually like set in the idea that you were in a game show and you were trying to get through levels where people were trying to kill you 
I don't. I don't. Okay. I just remember that one because it was like, it was a torture porn video game, effectively, uh. where like, if you got caught by somebody, you'd get like, oh, A, you'd have to kill the other guy. So someone would be like, put a plastic bag over a head or like choke him out with garrot wire or stuff like that, like super violent type stuff. And then when you died, you got like put in a room and dismembered and stuff. And it like showed it on their little hidden kit or like their own little like game show camera thing. I don't remember. No, it's 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 familiar to me, but I'm not, I'm drawing a blank. Um, like I'm like it's you're starting to. But that as a KO army. <laughs> yeah, that as a KO army, right on. Um, so yeah. I'm not sure which one of these two is my best for last, but uh, Cloverfield Gargants since they're new, uh, like Mega Gargants that are like all Cloverfield and stuff. So you go like for the your ma- main Mega Gargant or two of your Mega Gargants. I think this is again a green stuff project, or you have to start looking outside. But like for your main, because you're probably gonna have like the one Mega Gargant. That that's Cloverfield, um, and then you're sort of like smaller dudes. Like in the Cloverfield movie, there's the little like nasties, and then you could like uh, probably mm. there's probably a Nurgle model that looks close to them. Honestly, like um, if it's the Puscoils uh, mount, and so you could have this really cool like Gargant, uh, like Cloverfield army. I think, yeah. um, and I say my best for last because this is an idea I that I thought of a while ago, but like Cenobite OBR. So, like, Hellraiser, Ossiarch, Bone Reapers. Because they already have, like, that sort yeah, of, like... That'd be pretty, yeah. yeah. Especially the Mortec Guard, like, those would be... Yeah, yeah. They're just, pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's too hard. Um, I mean, you save, like, the super, like, heart. Because Pinhead doesn't actually get the, the pins in his face until, like, later on. But, like, the, the sort of grooves in the flesh and stuff like that. And they already have the sort of you know, like reticulated, like look to their body. Like you could really, um, go like sort of push it into that sort of really deep, like macabre, add some extra like straps and like some leather painting textures, um, have the harsh, harsh white, harsh black, you know, like I think a, like a Cenobite, uh, Ossiarch bone reapers would be like fucking awesome. (laughs) Ooh, you could, you could steal a lot of stuff from the Delac, uh, Delicu, whatever you call them, from Necromunda, the ones that have like the leather jackets and the the strapping and stuff like that off it. You just take it from them and chuck it on OBR guys, and maybe do some some swaps in there. Yeah, yeah, pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's I believe that's about t- we had about ten between us that we we're trying to get to. So, uh, so helping you get some spooky inspiration if you wanted to go that route for the uh, for the Halloween. Yeah, for the Halloween the Halloween special. Um, the last thing I want to wrap on is just, uh, uh, your podcast, which is hobby headspace. Um, uh, I, you have about four episodes up now and you're kind of, uh, back in the workshop. Uh, I really like if I, if I can, if I can, uh, uh, you know, pad your ego a little bit here since I'm the host. Um, I really like your show. Um, I only made it about four episodes in, then COVID happened. I think your March episode is right around the time I stopped listening to uh, most other people's podcasts. Which is when it stopped. Yeah, yep. yeah. So about March is when I kind of I, – I just watched my first live episode of Warhammer Weekly last night. Uh, and, you know, I'm a oh, big, yeah. huge, huge fan of Vince and stuff. So, um it's uh for me it's it's not a it's not a other content creators thing it's been a, a very me thing and I've just been trying to uh, find my inspiration again which is why this episode is both humorous and funny ha 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 but also deeply personal um, but your show is really awesome yeah. I, I really like that you're doing um, 
the adjacent like i like that you're doing this sort of hobby adjacent stuff basically picking a community member you had a tristan on there um i think you had you had smorgan too didn't you um did have sam yep 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 like did in on a pretty decent note where it was what tristan sam you and james morehouse and i was like all right, well, good. I'm, I can retire from there. I'm sweet. Yeah, that's like the uh, that's like the uh, the the Bill Murray in Space Jam, where he comes out for the one amazing play, and they're like, "Oh, dude, you should go pro." And he's like, "No, nah, I gotta go ice my knees." Like, <laughs> like because he just has that one, that one I'm amazing in. possession in him. Yeah, um, like, yeah, no, I can COVID retire. I already like just like I I had the like I came on the bases were loaded. I hit the grand slam and uh, I can retire world champion. Um, yes. So uh, it, it's really cool. Um, Again, they're uh, they're that sort of in that adjacent category. Um, you go even more hard in the paint yeah. than I do. You don't even start pretending that it's an age of, like you're going to talk age of Sigmar. Yeah. <laughs> you essentially kind of grab yeah. age of Sigmar community members. You bring them on and just kind of like talk to them. The the what com- else do you do? Yeah. What else does your life look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, really enjoy that. You get across your own POV in the process. Your episodes are around. We're around thirty to forty minutes, well, twenty to forty minutes, depending. So a, a, a good, a good size for a for a like a podcast that isn't insane like me. Um, and uh, and yeah, and you now you were kind of talking evolving. about yeah, yeah. But now you're evolving. So where's so Hobby Headspace? You guys can watch it right now. It's on Castbox at Anchor anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, what's the future for it though? Because I know you you were, we were talking about bringing that back or what that might look like. Um, yeah yeah so it's it's been an interesting process covid like i don't know that's that's what everybody falls back on is like covid did this or covid did that covid what it really forced me to do was get really internally focused and not be as much of like spreading myself out so i just got really internally focused and like i stopped consuming a lot of media both well pretty much anything that involved the video whether it was tv or movies or anything i pretty much wasn't watching anything i don't really watch that much stuff now because i just wanted to get into art i've just been focusing on my art so much uh and trying to get better and trying to be mindful of how i get better at it and i've taken on commissions and stuff like that in the process of doing various different types of art and that's just where i've been mentally designing Um, tattoos for uh insane podcast hosts sure designing tattoos Yep. <laughs> Taking care of logos for, for good people in the community too. Yeah, you did Coach's um, new logo, right? Yeah, you know, all the coaches and I had Clint's. Um and I've got another one in the tank too. So I just keep doing I just keep doing stuff and things that pay the bills and all that. But the the big thing for me with hobby headspace is really it's just been like because I've been so focused on my headspace is not being as outwardly focused to help other people's headspace and i think i you know that was the purpose from the beginning was just to help perspective i think with you know let me get people on that maybe they're used to seeing them in another context being like yo this person's a dad and you know that spends half their time doing this and then the hobby just happens to be this other fun thing they're able to fit into their life or whatever what else happens, you know, and, and everybody's got different shit that they have going on. It isn't, even though maybe all a Twitter feed is, is pictures of models getting worked on very few people. I know even that are like professional painter, professional level painters, just paint. 
they do other stuff too. So I'll get back into it, but my getting back into it's going to be a pretty different getting back into it. I've got a new camera that's coming at the beginning of next week. And then I tried to do some video on my phone and I just was not happy with the outcome. I got a new tripod. I got a new camera and I'm going to start doing video and try not to just have it be like, here's me painting a model for an hour and let me shorten it down to 15 minutes. Like, I think there's a lot of those that are very good. And I think I'll leave that to people who are very good at that. Um, my plan is I, to do things that, that are a little bit more feel. about. <laughs> I know that feel. Yeah. I know that feel. Like, like, you know. What if I edited like I've down seen Rantcast to one hour and then, like, you know, really concise stuff about the hobby and competition and stuff? Oh, oh then, like, there's literally everyone I listen to and love and adore um, is already doing it and crushing yeah. it. I'm like, nah, man, they don't need me. <laughs> like, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, like uh, yeah. I mean, goal is to is to live up to the name right and be it's about headspace it's about being able to set yourself up in situations where you can sit down and work for an hour and feel like you can complete things so it'll be very focused in that that side of how do we work on our hobby space to be more hobby usable or how do you how do you throw all your paint into a box and pick out a few colors and succeed with it and feel happy with your outcomes and that sort of stuff. And then you know, just, just fix the way that you're dealing with it. Cause I think, man, if there's anything that, that you can learn, like if you're someone that's new, that's trying to learn how to paint or you're someone that wants to get better at painting and stuff like that, if there's anything that there's an abundance of on the internet. It's people ready to give you rules for how you do that. Like to do this, you have to get that, this and that this and that yes all of those things are helpful i guarantee you that a lot of the things that people say are helpful are actually helpful it's really really hard to always have everything all the time especially let's say you order something off the internet and it takes two weeks to get to your house or a week to get to your house depending on where you're ordering it from that's two weeks where you might just be like literally sitting on your hands doing nothing hmm. you're just like well can't do anything until I get my wet palette. Can't do anything until I get the pale gray from Vallejo. Because I can't do that recipe that I saw. It's like, nah. There's shit that you could be doing that whole time. Even if it was just absolutely rehauling your entire hobby space to be more usable once you get that stuff. So, so, so as the name suggests, is to really kind of set up your... So. the the mental side of things that that headspace but then also your hobby space and so you got the nice little um i like that because i, I remember um you know when i was i'm still struggling as a writer mind you um i've had a couple things published but i was i was struggling to write at one point it wasn't quite a writer's block um but it was like i, I don't and so i started buying a bunch of like guides on writing and my friend yeah said to me stop me he's like andrew which book are you going to read to fix your motivation he's like mm -hmm. he's like you know how to write like i've read like what are you going to read to get your head clear and like to get motivated again because mm -hmm. that's probably the harder part of approaching something creative it's not the like getting a re getting a recipe is like kind of like a middle step to painting a model it's all that other yeah. stuff before that. Yeah. 
You know, like it's it's hard mm -hmm. to like I'm 100 percent ready to get a model, and then you get the recipe, and then you're like, okay, that's how I do it. You had to get to the point where that recipe actually meant a damn thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's pretty great. Uh, any any final tangents or soapbox moments? Oh wait, I'm sorry. Uh, when should we be looking for hobby headspace in its new form? And I think you mentioned uh, you the goal is to get at least yeah yeah at least one video by the end of the year. That's what I'm gonna hold myself to. I've already got can most I, of. Can I can I hold you? Can I hold you to one video? Yeah, you can hold me. You can hold me to December? that. Next thing you know, next thing you know, I'll have like weekly videos out of one, one video, one, and... one video by December. One video before the end of the year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got a logo, I've got music, getting a camera, and I've got ideas. That's like a four out of the 35 steps that it takes to make a YouTube video, but we're almost there. The, idea. the hardest part's the idea. The next hardest part is doing the thing. Uh, yeah, the, I feel like the execution is the hardest part. Nah. No, you do the thing. Uh, you you can always refine and polish. Um, my first episode of Rantcast was turning on my camera and yelling at Haywo to get in here. And then I talked about Ossiarch Bone Reapers. Yeah, yeah. And I've got 69 episodes. And I'm not... I am I am not the Honest Wargamer. I'm not Vince. I'm certainly not Haywo. I'm not... Uh, you know, Ian, I'm not AOS coach. I'm not Doom. I'm not any of those guys that I look up to. Um, but like, I do Your the own thing. thing. I do my thing. I do it each week and I do it to a standard that I'm happy with, but no, it can be better. And I try to get better every time. You're not going to come out the, just like painting, even making your video. You're not going to come out looking like Rembrandt. You know, you're not going to come out already crushing it. You got to. You gotta put in the you gotta put in your ten thousand hours, dude. Yeah. So. The, and I honestly I think one of the hardest parts for me to do videos of anything like to sit to actually like put together all the stuff is like it's gonna cut into other hobby time. time. And I'm like, man, am I ready to give up hobby time to yeah. do that? No, see, that's it's the like, part. well, I gotta put together all the pieces to be like, this is how I actually work these processes into my larger process. That's what really made me be like, I just need to get a camera and a good tripod so I can have it just be part of my overall process mm -hmm. rather than have to worry about fiddling with where my phone is at in this little rinky-dink tripod setup that I had. I'm like, if I just have a tripod and I set up my camera, yes, there's things I'm going to think about, but it's not going to be like, oh, shit, it moved a centimeter down and, and now the angle's the all yeah. off and can't it's going to look like crap. Yeah, can't yeah. see anything. Yep. No, I understand. Um, well, time is the most precious component, and there's no way to make up for that. Apart from becoming an insomniac. <laughs> I don't yeah, remember. but the challenge, the only challenge with being insomniac is you gotta, like, you gotta figure out that sound issue in the middle of the night. Dude, so, like, if you're talking and doing all that, yeah, and other people sure. are trying to sleep. Yeah. If you do quiet stuff, it's cool. Airbrushes and whatever gets a little loud. Yeah, just painting is, yeah, no, I get it. Uh, talking the whole time especially if you have a deep timber you know um so any We're trying to voice over stuff that you've done whatever. yeah whatever it is do you uh so so any last things you'd like to talk about regarding any of the to the many the numerous uh topics we brought up this evening i feel like most of i feel like i've ranted a fair share i think but the only thing i think that's really important and if there's anything you can take away from anything that I've said is 
just like literally it's really important to be in whatever you're doing if you actually want to improve it so if like if you want to get better at converting armies really not going to get better at converting armies by thinking about it you're really not going to get better at converting armies by talking to other people about an idea that you had and then never following through with it it's like you got to just try some shit and fuck it up really bad before you get something that's good anyway so just try stuff and I need to take my own advice when it comes to making videos and all that too. And it's very easy for me to say it because obviously there's a section of my life or sections of my life where I, I'm more than happy to try to execute. I feel like in miniatures and like in your hobby, that's like one of the safest places where you can just execute and quietly fuck up. And like worst comes to worst, you just like slip it into a trash can and throw it away. <laughs> like if you, if you mess up that bad, it can just go away. Well, yeah. Well, uh, that's where, um, you know, Vince has the, like, you know, paint fearlessly or convert fearlessly. Just chop the head off of a Nagash. See how it makes you feel at the end. <laughs> you know, like, just take a saw to a $200 model. Um, there's always... And the worst comes to, worst thing that happens to your Nagash is you have to put a little scarf around him. So that yeah, way it looks it like it was always meant to be that way. That's right. That's right. Um, to Nagash. Anything you want to put on, anything you want to put on blast? Anything you want to shout out yourself? Um, I post a lot of shit on my Twitter, so if you do want to see the dumb shit that I come up with, I got my awesome. Twitter. The um, awesome, the awesome shit he comes up with. Awesome shit that I come up with. Um, I feel like at least ten percent of the stuff's really awesome, and then some of it's just wild. And there's some combination thereof of things that are in the fat middle. Um, and then uh, yeah, when I start doing YouTube's and and. Maybe if I do some more podcasts, Hobby Headspace is the other place to find stuff, but I always link it on my on my main Twitter. My Twitter and my Instagram are pretty much my go to places. Do you have but the YouTube? I, know, I just paint a bunch of stuff. For Hobby Headspace? I have my YouTube, but what you you need like a hundred subs subscribers or whatever before you actually get like a custom name. So I have to get to that point. Fair enough, fair enough. Um well, why don't you I just I just post it and start getting subs, and then that way I get my custom name before I even put on my video. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, man. But uh, at least give me the link so I can, but anyway. I can toss you. A, I can toss you a sub. I don't mind putting people helping people. Um, not that I have like tons of clout or anything like that. I'm probably probably about as small as yeah. one can be. Uh, that still has a but still have clout. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, something like that. It's just because like I know good people. I know I know people that are way more impressive than me. <laughs> Uh, it's an important thing to have and then i have them all on my show and uh like you and uh and we just we just fed each other yeah it's a loop yeah people listen to hobby headspace because mess on there maybe people watch it because i'm here who knows that's what it is that's what it is yeah it's just a dude all right man thanks for hanging out with me today that's what this community is all about right that's right helping each other out be here and it's a good time to be helping people out. There's a lot of check in with your friends, everybody. Send them a message. That person you haven't heard from in a while. I don't know. You know who I'm talking about. You there in chat, gang. I see you. You're like, ah, I should have messaged them. You know who it is. Send them a message. Just say, hey, what's up? Doesn't need to be any more than that. There you go. Check in. Even if they don't respond, just check in. Just check in. Some people are taking social media breaks. It's a common thing right now. So that's right. That's right. Don't automatically assume the Some people are just like, I'm not going to touch Twitter for the next month. Which is 
reasonable if yeah. you if you're feeling that way. Yeah, we'll see. That's we'll the see, thing too. We'll see how I feel after November. I you might not touch a break. Take a fucking yeah. break. Yeah, I might be taking a. I might go a social media blackout here pretty soon myself. All right, everybody. Check gang. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. You are the show within the show. The reason we do this thing. Remember to drink your milk, pay your taxes. Most importantly, take care of yourselves and each other. Good night, everybody. Good night, Sean. Thanks for being on. Good night. Thank you.